Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Tom Rogera. Marler, the restraining order has been lifted. We made it. We finally made it. I mean, yeah, I, I'm very excited to announce that uh, Paul Feinbaum did drop the restraining order and then immediately follow that up with uh, one of the Reuter things. He could have said to me, I guess, we're not going to be friends, but that's fine. The restraining order is lifted. That's what's important. Spoiler alert, that is coming <laughs> at the end of the interview that we recorded with Paul Feinbaum. Different kind of interview that we've been able to do with him in the past where he's been in a, a bit of a time crunch in the past and we got to kind of have a little bit more of a relaxed in-depth conversation with him. Had a lot of fun with him, so definitely going to want to stick around that for that, including the very end in which Marler addresses the restraining order issue. We are going to talk, obviously, about Week 5 SEC games. We've got some picks. We've got some over-unders. We've got some locks of the week. We're going to bounce back. That's how we do it. We're going to bounce back. We better. Yeah, we will. No doubt. We have top 10 SEC players through four weeks a column that I did for SDS earlier that a lot of people had opinions on, but I will we'll, we'll get a chance to kind of discuss. It'll give us a, basically an excuse to kind of discuss some some mid-season, first month of the season type stuff with right. the way that certain guys are performing. Some guys that we've, that we've admittedly overlooked so far in talking about them individually. And then the big topic of discussion in college football this week, this red-shirting thing that De'Ara King, the Houston quarterback, has put into the national forefront with him sitting out this year in to be able to redshirt and come back to Houston for 2020. We'll see if he comes back to Houston, but we're going to talk about the implications that are associated with that. Right. Before we do that, Marler, top of the show, Texas Pete, boom. Guys, uh, bigger news than the restraining order being lifted, and that is Monday morning, went to the doctor, had my post-op checkup. Yes. I have been cleared. I can't, nice. I can't lift weights, which is not important anyway, but I can finally eat hot sauce or have hot sauce again. So Texas oh. Pete, God, I mean, we had a celebration. You've seen like, you know, like when I think the Major League Baseball season's finally ending. And so there's all these like locker room celebrations. That's basically what I was doing with Texas Pete. And it, I enjoyed every second of it. So there's the wait, real quick, there's no way for me to not make this sound mean. But when you just said that, the, the celebration of being told that you can eat Texas Pete, I pictured that scene in Heavyweights yes. where they all find out that the, the counselors are not going to be watching what they eat anymore and they just go crazy. And I'm not saying that you're – I'm not comparing you to Heavyweights. Let the record I, show. I think that's a fair Texas comparison. Pete. That's. I mean, I, I took no offense to that. That's a, okay. First off, it's a, a, a dream scenario too in that whole scene. Um, <laughs> so great. So anyway, we, we talked about this last week. We talked about it all season and all last year because you guys know college football Texas Pete, my two favorite things. Uh, hot Girl Summer is over. Hot Grill Fall is in full effect, y'all. Yeah, baby. Uh, and it will, well, you know, we're not going to be able to grill out this weekend, but get a couple Texas Pete packets for the road. Just make sure I'm constantly prepared when we're in Charlotte. Uh, make sure you're sending us pics of your tailgates, your recipes, anything you're doing on Saturday involving tailgating and Texas Pete with the hashtag sauce like you mean it. So, there you go. Boom. We are going to be in Charlotte this Saturday with the SEC Network guys, as we talked about last week. Going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of great social media content. We're going to be getting to interact with those guys throughout the day. Dari's going to be there. Doring's going to be there. Chizik, PB, our guys, they will all be in the house. We'll get to do some fun stuff with them. So we good to be able to see them in a non-media day setting. That's the thing that maybe people don't realize is that we don't really get to – we interact with them over the phone and stuff and on social media and we do stuff like that. But getting to actually sit, you know, sit, hang around with them, just kind of shoot back and forth with them. Right. 
going to be a lot of fun, a rare opportunity for us. So looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, I never get to hang out with Gene Chizik anymore. I know, right? Like, it just, it's so, it's, everything has changed since he's not the coach at Auburn anymore. You so can't just weird. kick back with Gene. <laughs> the future of redshirting. It's a great question, and it was thrown out on our Facebook group by Jay Woody. Uh, just wondering if we were going to be talking about this. And I added this in, a little peel behind the onion. I added this in kind of at the last minute because while this isn't necessarily an SEC story, it is a big-picture college football right. story that I think needs addressing, and it is very 2019. As I said before, everybody knows by now, De'Ara King, the Houston quarterback, the announcement initially came out that he was going to be sitting out the rest of the season and that he was going to be transferring in 2020, that he was going to utilize the redshirt rule and he was going to find a new home. Then we find out later that day that, oh, he's actually not going to be transferring in 2020, according to Houston, and that he's going to actually be returning to the team. Despite the fact that he's healthy right now, it's basically his way of saying, this is a new coach, and I don't really like the roster that much, and I'm going to be coming back. Your takeaway just on that aspect alone before we get to some of the bigger picture stuff. I think my man needed a, a free gym membership for the next couple months. I think that's why he, he's still coming back to Houston. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to stay. This is such a bizarre thing because, like, at first I just assumed he was injured. Or something had happened. It was like, you know what? Like, this season hasn't started the way I thought it would. And Taking care of grades, personal yeah, stuff. This stuff anything. Um, but no, he just made a, a power move on his own. And you know what? Like, I I think this, we've talked about it before, can create a very, like, slippery slope with, like, what this what this can do with, uh, like, all around the instant life. But I also like when the kids kind of take the power back because they, they I get, get a lot of concessions from the instant life, but the instant life doesn't do a lot of things in their favor, I feel like, for the player, like the individual player. So I, anytime a player is able to take the power back from them, I, I, I'm i in favor well, of it. Well, what about the commercial that we saw where the NCAA <laughs> clearly showed us the right the, the, the way that college athletes experience life? I mean, I think we can... He went on a jog before he had a game. That, that was like, <laughs> that thing, that whole thing was ridiculous. No, I mean, Derek King, yeah, obviously, like the the rumors, like think you go to Oklahoma or LSU could be an option or Tennessee. Interesting. I just think a kid like this, he's a very dynamic athlete. One of like the most, I guess you know, I don't want to say underrated players because his numbers are crazy. Like yeah, last fifty year. touchdowns last year, yeah. So you know, do what's best for you, and if you don't like the system you're in, then you know, I guess I think he's making the right choice. The joke was thrown out there on Twitter that he was going to transfer to Florida to steal revenge back once Kyle Trask is starting <laughs> again, of course. He's like, I'm going to take Kyle Trask's job That would again. be legit. That would be funny. Uh, this situation has a couple of different elements to it. And I, I, I tweeted this out, basically my thoughts of what, what this could do in a locker room. And basically my initial response was kind of what you just said and that good for a player for taking back the power in this situation, recognizing that he's going to waste a year of eligibility and right. maybe have down numbers and ruin his chance to be a quarterback in the NFL if he continues to play this year. I get all of that. At the same time, deciding that you're going to come back next year, looking at that roster and looking at those guys in the locker room in the facility and having to just come back and pretend it's business as usual, that's a right. really difficult thing to sell. You're supposed to be the leader of that program. Yeah, you're the quarterback. Very, yeah, you're the quarterback. That's a very unique situation. And we understand that it's a new situation with Dana Holgerson. But at the same time, I think that's a really difficult precedent to set within yeah. your program. And it's a little bit different than, you know, you jokingly tweeted that last year because I suggest that Jalen Hurts was right. with the team. Different in that he's deciding, hey, I'm actually going to come back next year. I just don't 
like this roster and this current setup, the way that things are playing out right. now. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a break and I'm I'm just gonna reevaluate things. And I'll, I'll get back after it next year. A little bit yeah. different with Jalen Hurts, where nobody would have faulted him necessarily. He wasn't the starting quarterback at the time when a decision like that would have been made. He would have been acting in his best interest right. had he quit the team. Obviously, that's not what he did. Yeah. But it sets a precedent now, almost like a tanking precedent that has yeah. become so popular in sports. And Peter Burns brought this up on SEC this morning. He's tweeted it out as well. What about the idea of Texas A&M tanking, per se, when they're already 2-2 two and two on the season? You have a coach who has tremendous job security with the $75 million guaranteed contract in Jimbo Fisher. And you just kind of wonder, why not punt on this season, save eligibility for certain right. players, and just run it back next year with a more favorable slate and see what you can do and see how that sets you up better long term. And, and, you know, they're going to be loaded, too, coming back. They, have, they, they will have be. Yep. a lot returning next year. What were your and thoughts also, on this hearing doesn't that? Have to, it doesn't have to be just Texas A&M. I think that's right. just the example. So we're not saying A&M should do this necessarily. But, I, like, as a fan, you want to win no matter what. And I think that, like, it, there's something to be said for maybe it being like a smart strategy, but at the same time, like th- that just takes away from the entire, you know, I, I mean, that how do takes you sell it the how whole year? It? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, so I don't I don't know if we'll ever see something like like that happen uh, at like a major Power Five school, and it, it, right. especially this early on. I just yeah, because there's so much. The schedule is so difficult to manage anyway. So who says if you like what what would the reaction be if A and M's like you know what? We're pulling everybody. We're gonna. We're just gonna tank the rest of the season. Next year's our year, and then next year you go ten and two, instead of twelve and zero. Exactly. Like, what's the reaction then? Exactly. That, that's just such the the risk is not like worth the reward there. It's it's very different in professional sports and well, and that as well as that there are boosters at play here, and there are right. boosters who are essentially paying the salaries of, of these coaches. And the, that's the reason that these coach salaries have, have gone up and risen so so dramatically. And cool. when you're putting this much money into facilities and you have to be able to sell to other people as well in terms of right. raising money for projects and doing all those things. If you're just putting a product out there that you are admitting is not your best product, right. then that's a tough thing to be able to, to sell, not only from boosters, but just from the university aspect as well. Well, and, and have the whole, like, the motto of, you know, wait till next year, when it's still this year, that's that's just oh, not a good brutal. look. You know what I mean? It's and for the fans especially, because like you know, I, I've, I've romanticized this probably too much, but like we only get thirteen to fourteen of these Saturdays every single year. You know what I mean? And we wait for nine months for it. It would be awful for a fan base if they knew, you know what, this season we're just gonna sit it out. That that, that would be very tough to watch. It's too much money on the line. Football is different. It's set yeah. up differently in that, and even in the NFL, you you bring up the point about there are only 13, 14 Saturdays in, in right. a given season. That's your opportunity to make that money. If you have a team that's all of a sudden tanking, let's say uh, theoretically, and all these kids are utilizing the redshirt rule, and you realize you have no chance to compete in the conference, your attendance in a, in an era that we talk about dwindling dwindling attendance, that's gonna that would take a massive hit, and that would be a huge. Oh, yeah huge financial risk to say we feel this good about our team next year that and 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 moving forward that we feel that this is in our best interest right now i think it's just it's a very unique situation what's and what's at play at houston and i think to see it done in the sec i think is unrealistic and i think there are too many other factors that would have to go into it well and also again like there's just there's so many unknowns if you do that like i mean you could the the idea of the strategy i don't want to say it's a good idea but it's like i get it i get what the idea behind it would be but injuries, like, oh, yeah. there's just a bazillion things that could happen. So let's move on to something that, to guys that are playing, to guys that are playing, 
on the field on a given Saturday and playing very, very well so far. So I did a, top, the, uh, a column on the top 10 SEC players so far. Now, right. uh, that, that's taking out the preseason conversation about certain players, and that, that in itself left some big headliner names in the right. SEC off of this list. But I really want to just focus in on their performance that we've seen given the sample size, which is still small. And the, the downside of that is when the sample size is this small, sometimes if a guy has sat for a game, somebody like Derek Brown, Derek Brown didn't make this list because he sat in that game in the the week three game that they had against Kent State. And it's tough to say, yeah, he's been better when, you know, there are other guys who have played all four games and played well in all four games. So I'm going to run through the list real quick and then we'll get to some potential discrepancies because we were talking about this a little bit beforehand, but I think we'll have areas that we can kind of flesh out and and debate a little bit. So at 10, I got J.R. Reed, the Georgia safety. Number nine, Kylan Hill, Mississippi State running back who leads the SEC in rushing right now. Number eight, Javon Kinlaw of South Carolina, the defensive lineman who's been really, really huge for them. Jerry Judy and Justin Jefferson, the receivers. I have them tied at number seven, which I realize is a bit of a cop-out, but I wanted to include receivers. It's a long story. Number six, Trayvon Diggs, the Alabama cornerback. Number five, Andrew Thomas, the Georgia offensive tackle. Number four, Jonathan Greener, the Florida edge rusher. Number three, Marlon Davidson, the Auburn defensive end. Number two, Joe Burrow. LSU quarterback, and number one, some guy named Tua Tagovailoa. Your issue with this list was what? Just your overall being and personality, to be honest. It's just, uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, Yeah, I have a question. How dare you? How dare you? Um, No, I thought it was a good list. So we put put it up on Instagram yesterday, and people uh, shockingly overreacted. Stop. Um, so it's, it's just through the first four games, and you know it's a small enough sample size where you can make an argument for a lot of different people. And it's not saying that these are the best players in the SEC. Exactly. They had the best seasons. Yes. Um, I think I think you put together a good list. I think you, you missed a couple. My list is a little bit different. Um, and, of course, I didn't put it in the Google Doc. I, I wrote it down in pencil. There it is. Um, no, but like the, at the top, so I actually have Joe Burrow at one. I almost did. I almost did. And the only reason I didn't was because I think Tua has been – a touch, a slight, slight touch, yeah. more efficient, more precise. Just, Burrow <laughs> did have the two interceptions. Tua doesn't have any yet, and I realize Burrow's had tougher competition and all that. Yeah. Tua got the slight edge just because I think he has been surgical at every single right. moment so far of the year, and that's not to say that Burrow hasn't, but the tiny, tiny, tiny Sounds little like knock. Sounds like exactly what you're saying. Yeah, the, the tiny knock on the, on, on the two picks, but Burrow could have easily been number one. I have no problem with anybody putting up number one. Yeah, so... All the reasons you said, that's what I was going to say, too, um, for, for why I have number one. I mean, yeah, the two picks, I just I take into account the fact that, like, the road wins, yeah. like, or the road win at Texas is a big deal. Um, not as much with Vandy, but, like, the numbers he's put up each and every week are just, like, uh, having one game at LSU as a quarterback over, over 350 yards, like, that's a pretty big deal. Um, he's done it, like, every week. And the completion percentage being at 81%, that's crazy. Can we go over some quick Joe Burrow numbers? Because I was looking this up, and I didn't really I, – I, I figured, given the context and what LSU yeah. quarterbacks have been in the past, I knew that he was going to be up for some of these. So, obviously, everybody knows probably by now, Burrow second in the country in touchdown passes, 1,520 passing yards, 81% accuracy. That's first in the country. Those other two categories, he's second in. He is on pace this season for 55 touchdown passes and 4,940 yards. Now, obviously right. – Keeping up with that pace would be incredibly difficult. But it, let's just say in a hypothetical world, he does. Let's say right. he does. That would double LSU's current single-season mark of 28 touchdown passes by Matt Mock and Jamarcus Russell. It would be 1,600 yards more 
than LSU's single-season passing record set by Rohan Davey back in 2001. Okay, That's well, the type of year that we're talking about for LSU and for Burrow, and somebody who theoretically in just two seasons could end up as the program's all-time leader in passing touchdowns. That's yeah. amazing. I think uh, we're a little ahead of ourselves with, with uh, yeah, all I really that. But um, he could throw for a million yards. He could. Um, but like the 17 touchdowns, what's, what's impressed me most is Won the completion percentage at, at 81%. Insane. Um, averaging 380 yards a game. That's a big deal. But the he leads the the uh, LSU leads the SEC in touchdown passes um, and completions. And they've come in last or second to last in both those categories for the last four years in a row. That's amazing. That's incredible. Um, oh, I'm sorry, last four out of the last five years, not four years in a row. Um, so, yeah, that turnaround's been incredible. Anyway, Tua, I have second because he's put up ridiculous numbers. Uh, I have Jamar Chase at three. I almost went, and the reason that I didn't put Jamar Chase on this list was because I thought his numbers were a little bit slanted towards, he had the huge game um, most recently against Vandy where he had, what, 226 yards or whatever it was. Yeah. And I thought a little bit of it was slanted. I thought Justin Jefferson has been just a touch more consistent. And then the the clutch catch, obviously, the dagger that he had against Texas, which right. might be the play of the year so far in college football in terms of potential playoff implications. That play, individually for me, just put Justin Jefferson kind of a little bit ahead, even though their numbers are virtually the same through four games so far. Yeah, I mean, so they're not because um, Jamar Chase has uh, higher, what is it, yards per catch. He has like 132 yards per game. And I get he, he sat out the game against, uh, who was it, Northwestern State? Which makes it even more impressive to have right, like, right. be near the top or at the top in every statistical category. I think he has one less touchdown than Judy and Jefferson. But on top of that, he's had eight, like, in three games. His last two games against Texas and Vandy, so like, their toughest competition, he's had 18 receptions. Like, he's just flat out gone off. And, and you know, I, I guess I'm, I was surprised to see, like, Burrow spreading the ball around this much this early. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's just, these numbers are gaudy. It's, it's crazy. And you could make a, a case for both. But um, I just... I went personally with the statistics mattering the most, Connor. That's what I was trying to I do. think they're only separated by about one catch or something like that and like five yards or something total. It's very, very close. Yeah. Um, and, and Justin Jefferson also had the ankle issue against Vandy, so that's why his, he had like two catches, I think, for 18 yards in that game but was banged up with an ankle injury in the second half of that one. So a little bit, a little so bit maybe of different story. If you did the top ten players for the first three and a half games, that would there make sense. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> I, I, um, almost, I almost just did an entire slot for LSU receivers because it would have yeah. been probably and, and just like, fine. It, it, it is kind of a cop-out. Like, when I first saw it, like, you know, you have Judy and Jefferson, like, at both at seven. But, like, a case can be made for the, the whoever the one is at LSU at receiver and Bama, whoever the two is at LSU exactly. and Bama. It, yeah. It's crazy. Um, so I have Kinlaw at four instead of, would you have him, eight? I had, yeah, I have him at eight. Unsung so, hero for, so, so far for South Carolina, yeah. Yeah, and, like, you know, I think I've, not enough credit's being given to that that defensive line. Like David Pollock said last week, they've been playing like it's one of the best defensive line units in the country. They're I don't know if they're as good as Auburn or anything like that, but they've been a very very, I guess like a, a bright bright point in this season so far. Um, uh, he has four sacks, two forced fumbles, and he's blocked a field goal. Connor. He's got a sack in every game so far. Every game, that's it's consistent. Amazing. And I think when you say you know the point you made with Jamar Chase. 
Yeah, like some numbers can always be skewed if they just go off in one game. Mm-hmm. And the consistency of what he's been able to do is that was really impressive. I agree. I, I, I had him a little bit higher initially, and then I moved him back just because I saw the blowback coming where people are saying to themselves, well, the South Carolina right. defense has been so bad, and if he's that good, then why hasn't he been able to lead that defense to better things? Let's not forget, <laughs> so Alabama had the 69 straight games, very nice, of 100 rushing yards, and he was a big reason why that right. stopped. He is somebody that just gets off the ball so, so well. And South Carolina fans were talking about it being underrated coming into this season. He yeah. is somebody who, in these first four weeks of the season, has made himself a ton of money in oh, terms yeah. of the NFL draft. His stock is rising in a hurry. Completely agree. Um, I have so I have Davidson, uh, Marlon Davidson, for our fifth right behind okay. him. I mean, because he's had, he's had, obviously, a really good season. Um he has 20 tackles on the defensive line already. That's, good. That's, That's good. ridiculous. I mean, go ahead. He had two SEC Defensive Linemen of the Week awards already. They were joking right. because this past week Derek Brown won it, and the, the joke was, oh, Derek Brown, Derek Brown won the Marlon Davidson Award. Because that's, <laughs> that's how good he's been to start the year, winning that award in consecutive weeks. Right. And I understand that he was doing that against lesser competition and that Derek yeah. Brown was good in this most – really, really good in this most recent game against a But just so far – Marlon Davidson has been just a monster up yeah. front. And and not just uh, – he's somebody that everybody knew coming into this season as the guy who could block kicks, and he had 30 block kicks in, a, in consecutive games last year, whatever that streak was. That's a ridiculous step. Derek Brown got off to a slow start this year, and right. Auburn's defense did not take a step back at all. Marlon no. Davidson is a huge, huge part of that. The fact that they have a top 25 run defense, despite the fact that they have had – to face Oregon, the fact right. that they have had to face AM and to do so away from home, that is a huge credit to Marlon Davidson and the job that he's been able to do yeah. up front with taking up space there. And, and, and really capitalizing on the opportunity. Like we talked about this with Raekwon Davis not really putting up great numbers last year at Bama when he had Quinn and Williams right. to take you know take attention away from him. Um, so good for Davidson for being able to capitalize on that. Uh, here, let me run through these. I, have I had some Tyler- of the best of the rest, too. Um, where my, so I have best of the rest below this. Where uh-huh. some, of, some of the guys that you've already hit, like, so we talked about Derek Brown already. Um, Jamar Chase was in there. And then I have Anthony Jennings is somebody who easily yeah. made the list, has been really good for Bama so far. Uh, DeAndre he, he Swift. He 20 tackles. That wasn't, it wasn't Davidson. Davidson has 18. Okay. But, yeah, but yeah, Jennings has 20 it. tackles and, and three, uh, three sacks as well. And I hear you, Mizzou fans. Kel Garrett's been phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. the SEC in tackles like thirty-seven. Yeah, that guy's been really. Adam Spencer. We, I know he should have been on the top ten player list. I know he'll, he'll get there. I, I'm, I'm still, I'm not, not exactly in wait and see mode with Mizzou, but just in terms yeah. of doing it against good competition. If that's going to come, continue to come in SEC play, then he's somebody who's going to be getting probably all SEC type love at season's end. Right, and I mean he also scored a touchdown last week too, so maybe True. We probably yep. should have him in there. Um, I have Kylan Hill, 6, Henry Ruggs, 7, Jonathan Greenard, 8, Jerry Judy, 9, and then Derek Stingley at 10. Ooh, I like the yeah. Stingley ad. I I almost had him on there, and I saw, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Pro Football Focus had him on. Ooh, oh, excuse me. I'm dying. Right. I'm dying. I'm getting emotional talking about Derek Stingley. All right, it's my He's time to guy. shine. I'm going to go ahead. You know what? Why don't we just tank the podcast and just do this next year? Let's just tank it. We'll do better. Well, our roster will be in much better shape next year. Derek Stingley is somebody who I think was on Pro Football Focus's National Team of the Week. I mean, really? that, that is not an easy thing to do. I think I saw some stat about he was targeted nine okay. times in that game, five receptions for 30 yards or something yeah. to that degree. He has been. I like when they have those stats because a lot of times they their stats, I have no idea what's going on. 
It's very, very in depth. He graded an 86. Yeah, what does that mean? All That's right. a B plus, man. No, but Stingley, he has one interception. He's also in the return game. He's averaging like 11 yards per punt return. Um, he's so like it's not always great when a defensive back has like a lot of stats because that probably means they're getting picked on more than the other other corners. True. Which in this with this secondary, it's like you know pick your poison because there's so much talent back there. But to have Seven, I think he has seven or eight. He leads the SEC in passes defended so far, or, or pass breakups. And he's a true freshman. So I, I, I have him in there at 10. Um, you could definitely make a case for, what's his name? Uh, you had him in yours. Why am I thinking? Uh, Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. 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 That I, interception he had last week was... I saw the replay of that. The interception that he made against Southern Miss, where he lines up in the slot... And he just runs step for step with this receiver and runs a better route than he does. Right. And you're reminded, oh, yeah, this is a guy who used to be a receiver. And his brother is pretty good at playing that position in the NFL. Well, the, the fact that a cornerback just, he turned around, he never turned around like to the quarterback. He just, he just, Willie May style over the shoulder catch. I was like, that's, Incredible. you don't see cornerbacks doing that. Yeah. So I have him at number one, actually. Let me, let me rephrase <laughs> that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the kid at Florida, too, Greenard, he's, Three and a half sacks. He's also been very, very consistent, especially with a defense like that needed somebody to step up. He has been the most valuable player on a top ten team for a Florida yeah. team that has been without Jabari Zuniga and C.J. Henderson essentially the last two games. I mean, that, that's really right. what it was. The first two games of SEC play, and that defense is one of the more underrated groups of the country so far, in my opinion. He has been a huge, huge part of that. He's such yeah. a perfect fit in Todd Grantham's system, rushing off the edge. He is. He wreaked all sorts of havoc against Miami when their mm-hmm. offensive line was in complete shambles in the opener, and he has just continued to produce for that group. He's somebody that they're going to rely on a lot. What a great story, too. Somebody who was yeah. injured in that first game last year, playing for Louisville, injured in that opener against Bama, and somebody who has come back and just meant a lot to Florida right. so far. Gator fans love that, that guy, absolutely. Yeah, he's been awesome. Um, any others? So I almost included Jake Fromm on this list, but didn't just because the Why? raw numbers itself. He's a, he's been incredibly efficient, very very efficient. He's only been sacked once, which is a credit to Andrew Thomas, who I had yeah. at number five on this list, but didn't quite want to include Fromm just because I thought if you're a quarterback making this list, you're putting up numbers like Tua or Joe Burrow. Yeah, if anybody has a problem with the Jake Fromm thing, uh, we could definitely have that conversation. He has five total touchdowns. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a big I'm a big Jake Fromm fan, but let's yeah, he's you know, great. We're, but I mean, we're yeah, basing that we're on just numbers, sample size, yeah. Um, other ones that I could have included. Um, I, am I saying this wrong? Is it Ronnie Elam or Roni Elam? I probably Ronnie. Ronnie, I think. Ronnie. I like Ronnie. Was was Greenard? Is that how you say it? I, I sound ridiculous when I'm... I I feel like I sound ridiculous saying it too. Okay. Florida fans. Be at names. Florida fans correct us. We like him. We like we like JG. That's another JG. Yeah, there you um, go. I like that. Cameron Curl, Arkansas defensive back, also playing really, really well yeah. filling up the stat sheet. He's kind of doing a little one. bit of the Grant Delpit last year so far. Um, okay, any others that I glaringly, like, just completely overlooked? I'm going to get yeah, a so lot my, of Yeah, so my um, honorable mention list is 40 people long. Nice. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Cam Dantzler from Mississippi State, he's been yeah, missed, a bright missed spot the in game. secondary. Yeah, yeah so he has um, another pro football focus stat. He has, like, when thrown at, quarterbacks have an mm-hmm. 8.5 pass rating, which is one of the lowest in the country. That's ridiculous. Um, also, Logan Stenberg. I saw that you put in the Andrew Thomas thing, and he's obviously the best I yep. think, lineman in the SEC. I don't think it's up for debate. Um, I saw one mock draft last week that said he had been, they had him going number one overall. The Kentucky offensive lineman or Andrew? No, Thomas? No, 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 Thomas. Thomas. Oh, okay, okay. But so, but I, like in looking at more of the stats, Logan Stenberg from Kentucky, he's had 138 straight snaps without giving up a pressure. 
That's pretty good. That's, that's really impressive. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I gave Andrew Thomas the nod just because he graded out as pro football folks' highest graded lineman in the country going into that Notre Dame game. He was the highest graded run blocker as well. And then, oh, like I said earlier, Jake Fromm's only been sacked once this year, and it's right. Andrew Thomas who's protecting his blind side. Yeah. Um, and also they had that, that pancake on that DeAndre Swift touchdown that was just mean. Oh, gosh. Who's, so who's that whole offensive line is just I, I would never want to be friends with them. They're, they seem so angry. Yep. They're so good. Uh, who's somebody that was not on this list, or maybe a couple guys, that you think will be at the end of the season? Grant Elpit's one that comes to mind. Somebody okay. that just doesn't necessarily have quite the quite the numbers yet to be able to put on there. And Christian Fulton, if we want to talk about the LSU secondary, I think the LSU secondary, when it gets healthy, will definitely mm-hmm. have a chance to be there. And then I don't know. I mean, I think there are a lot of different directions you can go. I think Richard LeCount is somebody who's been talked about a lot for Georgia. Somebody you like yeah. a lot coming <clears throat> into this season. But I, I think it's I think it's difficult because I think right now it's such a skewed sample size with the four games that we've had so far. Right. Um, and it's tough to sit here and say definitively, like, these guys project really well for the rest of the season. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? I think Swift is a guy that could definitely make it. Yeah. I was I was kind of surprised that he was off both of our lists. Um, you know, because I, I think he is going to be the feature back. And, like, they're obviously going to split carries and they're going to have, you know, they have, they have such a loaded backfield. Like, there's everyone's going to get their touches. But... He's he's the focal point of that offense. I feel like that was pretty clear after the Notre Dame game. Yeah. So I'd say somebody like him. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, that's probably about it. Kale Garrett, we probably should just put him in this one. I probably should have just had Kale Garrett. No. I'm sorry. Mizzou fans, no. that's that's my fault. Let's go on to week five picks and over-unders. We've got our friends, though, at MyBookie to talk about, Marler. Yeah, we do. Uh, I'm so glad we were back with, with MyBookie. Um yeah, they, the friends is a good way to put it because they are very friendly. Pals. Pat, well, that sounds weird. Okay, like friends. Pen pals. Friends. Yeah, let's just say yeah, best buddies. Yeah. Um, with my bookie. So we talked about this last week. Uh, th- there's nothing more exciting than watching college football unless you're watching college football and gambling on it. Okay, you want to talk about a fun Saturday night? Get that heart racing. I, that's what I live for each and every week. And the best place to make your bets is mybookie.ag. Uh, one of the things I love about my bookie, and we're going to talk about it here in a second, you know how I constantly can talk myself in and out of things, and I, I get a little bit nervous about our picks, especially after last week. Mm-hmm. Well, our friends at my bookie, they got our back because you can actually buy up to three points per game. You love doing that more I do. than anybody I've ever talked to. You love <clears throat> yeah, I mean, buying you, points. Most people that uh, are like like sharps and professionals, they say not to do that. But you know what? I've been going against the grain for most of my life. Um, don't go against the grain when it comes to betting, though. Go to mybookie.ag. Who you bet on is just as important as where you bet. There you go. We've got a rather thin slate of games. Let's call it what it is. We've got five games that we're going to talk about. Florida fans, I'm sorry. We're not going to sit here and break down the spread for Florida Towson. I think it's 36 or something like that. Yeah. Not going to sit here and talk about Towson and the matchup and all that stuff. Towson. The over-under, which, by the way, Towson, great state in New York. Fun fact. I had no idea, yeah. Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois against Vandy. Vandy is a six-point favorite, which is much, much less than I originally thought they were going to be. I think I had him as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite when we guessed the line on Sunday. What were you taking? Uh, so I actually... This might be like my favorite pick of the week for SEC is, is Vandy, and I like them to cover too. Um, Northern Illinois, I think they're coming off a, off a bye week, and I know Vandy just got absolutely crushed at home against LSU, and they've not looked great in their 0-3. But uh, Derek Mason is 6-0 and against the spread at home against non or against FBS schools uh, that are non-Power 5. So 
comparing, That's what I'm going with. Comparing DeKalb, Illinois to Nashville is just such a... Oh, it's just bad. It's just rough. It's really, really rough. For those of you who have ever been to DeKalb, Illinois... And by the way, there is a DeKalb in every single state. I'm convinced. Are you saying with an... Is it D-E-K-A-L-B? Correct. DeKalb. It's DeKalb. That's DeKalb. The Stone Mountains in DeKalb County. It's yeah. definitely not DeKalb. It's DeKalb in Illinois. It's pronounced DeKalb. You couldn't DeKalb. pronounce Roney earlier, and now you're so Yeah, but there are different DeKalb. places where it's called Houston as opposed to Houston. Go ask the state okay, of Georgia about that. that. Boom. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Different different strokes for different folks, they say. <laughs> <laughs> Northern Illinois, I don't think he's going to be able to cover in Nash Vegas. I think once they see the bright lights, they're, no. But I, I think this is going to be a big game for the for the Vandy offense, which has been able to figure <clears throat> yeah. some things out. I think that against LSU, they finally started to get the big three rolling a little bit, started to get Keyshawn Vaughn more involved. And I think that... Riley Neal settling in a little bit into that system, and I think it was really tough for him to start off against Georgia, obviously. But yeah. I think that the Vandy offense is able to put up some points in this one. I think that they win by two scores, not just six points. So give me the give me the doors to cover. That yeah, and leads... Northern Northern Illinois is actually only averaging like sixteen points per game, and like I think it's like three hundred and forty. They have one of the worst offenses in the country. Yeah, it's not good. So <laughs> I have a lot of high school friends that went to. Good old Northern Illinois. When they went to when they, when they went to the Orange Bowl and played Florida State, right? Yeah, I think it was Florida State. That, that was that was a big big deal. Yeah, back in two thousand eight or two thousand nine, one of those years. So they Jordan, beat Bama like my senior year of high school. That was yeah, fun. Jordan Lynch, the legend. He was like he was uh, he was group of five Tebow for a while. Um, okay, yeah, there yeah, it is. I went there. <laughs> Over under, Keyshawn Vaughn yards from scrimmage. Ooh. I have it at one thirty nine point five for our guy Sneak. Ah oh, man, I I would say he's what's he averaging right now? Like, I think it's, it's like it's not over hundred. Okay, I, I would take the over. I would take the over. I mean, like this is one of those games where like Derek Mason's gonna have to like one he has to win because like they need a win more than anything. They're obviously they're zero and three, but you got to get back to basics and and just doing what you do best and getting the ball to Vaughn, getting the ball to Lipscomb, and just you know like letting your offense do what it does. Even in a game where they trailed a lot last week, he still got twenty carries in that one. Yeah. Still got 130 yards on the ground against LSU. I think that's a good sign. I think they need to continue to get him involved moving forward. <clears throat> Obviously, they want to be able to keep him healthy. That's been an issue throughout. His right. career was a little bit of an issue last year. I think he hits the over. I think this is a huge, huge monster day. He's maybe a day where he breaks off a couple of those patented 60-yard runs of his. Yeah, I mean, he's the most today. reliable person. Like, like if you have a, a new starter at quarterback, like there's there's no better friend to that than than a good running back. Like he should be like. They should be leaning on him the whole time. Agreed. Maybe I shouldn't have said the offense, like let the offense do what it what it does, because that's they have not done a lot this year. True, true. Do what Fair it enough. can do. Do what it's capable of potentially. Exactly. <laughs> Kentucky and South Carolina. This one is fascinating on a variety of levels. A couple of teams that come into this one 0-2 in conference play. South Carolina, as expected, is a three-point favorite, despite the fact that they have lost five straight to the Cats. Marler, who you got? So, listen, I, I really, I really took this serious this week, and I got a, a lot of notes in front of me, and Love you're going to get real excited about this. So, I, I, when something like this like seems obvious, like why would a one and three team be favored? It usually Vegas knows something, but at the same time, they've been favored in this game every single every year. Every year, every single <laughs> they know year. Nothing. Just, yeah, and they've lost five in a row. Mark Stoops has covered in Kentucky. He's covered six in a row against the spread against South Carolina. But here's the most concerning thing for me is I think Helensky, obviously last week he was kind of banged up and the, the offense didn't look as good as it did against Bama. However, this offense can be really good with him at quarterback. 
And I still think Kentucky's defense is is good. Um, so I'm not expecting Kalinsky to just light the world on fire. The last three years under Will Muschamp for South Carolina, their offenses have averaged, was it an SEC play, 30 points per game, 24 points per game, and I think like 16 points per game. They've continuously scored the lowest amount of points against any SEC team against Kentucky. They've scored a total of, shoot, what is it, 23 points? No, th- I'm sorry, 33 points in three years. It's amazing. 11 points per game. Like That's like half. That's, that's crazy. I tend to think, I, I look at these <clears throat> coach matchups seriously, and I know that's it's different teams and stuff like that. Sometimes I just wonder if, if one coach has another coach's number. And I, right. I, I, I brought that up before just because what I think they all have must champs number. I don't know. It's starting to feel that way. Um, but I think that right now with Kentucky, the issue that I have is the quarterback situation <clears throat> and the unknown. Your guy, Lynn Bowden, could potentially be taking snaps back there at quarterback. That's, oh, what this, that's what this quarterback depth situation is. We don't necessarily know the health of Sawyer Smith in right. this one. It's 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 a very daunting daunting matchup, I think, for Kentucky in this regard. And we talked about this a little bit before. I've got a column up on SDS that's related to this subject that I think is coming out. When is that going to come out? I think it's going to come out Wednesday. That's the plan. Right. So I think this game actually means more for Mark Stoops than it does for Will Muschamp. And I know what you're saying, Gamecock fans. What do you mean? He needs to end the streak against Kentucky. This is awful. We're talking about somebody that is on the hot seat and is losing public favor by the minute, seemingly. Right. Here's the thing. I don't think this really changes the outlook for for Will Muschamp that much. I don't think that this game is going to make or break their bowl chances. I don't think they're going to a bowl game. And yeah, you can have look, bowl chances. You're right. Yeah, you can look at the rest of the schedule. What's this really going to change in terms of our our impressions of Will Muschamp? He's already lost three in a row to Kentucky. Right. It's not like this is going to be the one that breaks the camel's back. It's not like he's going to win this game and people are going to be like, oh yeah, now I believe in Will Muschamp now. Right. <laughs> Compare that to Mark Stoops, who is sitting there at zero and two in conference play with two what I would consider hard fought games. He could probably make the case that his team has been the better team on the field for five of eight quarters that he has played in SEC play. Here's the issue, though. They have a bye week after this. Their game, at, their next game after this is October 12th. October 11th is Big Blue Madness, Kentucky basketball, essentially the right. kickoff for their season. If you're going into that, that, that matchup on October 12th, which, by the way, is against Arkansas, and I'm just assuming that's going to be a noon game on SEC Network or ESPN2 oh, or God. something. yeah. To be 0-3 in conference play after the offseason that's been, where you're trying to talk about we've built a program and not just a team and you're talking about building national support, and you want, going into the heart of this recruiting this recruiting cycle, you want to be able to sell this vision in your program of, <clears> hey, we're not falling off the face of the earth. That's not what we're about. Being 0-3 wouldn't exactly be a, be a good thing in your corner to be able to come out and say, hey, we have turned the corner as a program. That, that's, right. my, that's just my thoughts on that, so rant over. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. And, and they have a lot more, their, their schedule is a lot more manageable down the stretch, yeah, especially, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I think there's a lot more to play for them. Like, not to say that Carolina has nothing to play for, but you know, when you talk about like again, like a coach just having another coach's number, like just think about these numbers real quick. Here's South Carolina's averages against these three teams: Georgia. They've averaged uh, what is it here? Forty-one. I'm sorry, hold on. They've had forty-one total points against Georgia the past three years. Sixty-six against Florida and fifty-two. Connor, I've messed all these up. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I was, I was wondering Damn where you're going with averaging 41 against Florida. I was going to say rushing yards or maybe passing yards, pass attempts. 
No, this, it's the total total scores. This the total amount of points they put up against those three schools uh, in the past three years. So you just I forgot right. to divide it by three at the end. That's all. That's exactly it's what I did. Math. Yeah. One more step. Math is so all. hard. But like to be able to put up those kind of numbers against you know the three toughest people or three toughest games on your schedule, and then to put up only eleven points per game against Kentucky. Like maybe you're right. Yeah. yeah. Like Stoops might have his number and and. I don't know. I'm going to take Kentucky to, to cover and win. Same. But the best play here is the under. And I really wish that I didn't go back into that deep dive with the, the numbers because I confused myself. <laughs> I was like that, that Zach Galifianakis meme, just all the numbers everywhere. But yeah, the under is, uh, that's the best play. It's 8-2 and two in the last uh, 10 SEC games for Kentucky. And fun fact, the under is 4-0 in the last four years in this series. And it's hit by an average of 17 points under the number each year. What is the number this year? Uh, 15 and a half. 15 and a half. Oh, yeah. Okay. I do like that. I, I think yeah. that makes a lot of sense. How about... All right. I'm, I'm going to refocus. <laughs> Numbers are hard. How about, how about my over-under? The mentions of the five-year streak that Kentucky has against South Carolina, I set that over-under, fittingly, at 4.5. Uh, yeah. I think that's... I, it'll probably be mentioned a lot more than that. Because when you look at this, the state of this program for South Carolina, this is like the most... like kind of just confusing number like what how do they lose five, five in a row it's it's the ugliest demerit i think right now on will muschamp's resume and yeah the fact that it goes back two year the final two years of spurrier probably not the best thing either but right. yeah it's 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 the most embarrassing thing for south carolina fans right now and it prevents any sort of any sort of excitement about the program as well, why don't you be Kentucky first and then you can you can talk to us. Whenever they try and right. talk to our, trash to anybody, that's always the punchline. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting weekend, though. A game with uh, two coaches that just desperately want to avoid that yeah. to restart to conference play, for sure. Ole Miss and Bama. We were at this one last year in Oxford. It was ugly. After that opening touchdown that Ole Miss had, it was all Bama. We've talked about how lopsided this game has been the last two years, winning this one, I think, 66 to 3 two years ago. And then last year was what, like 62 to 7? 67, yeah. It's, so that's going from 128 to 10 the past two years. That explains why this line, which I believe opened up at what, 31 points, has yeah. jumped all the way up to 37 and a half points that Bama is favored by. Marler, uh, are, are you taking Bama to cover 37 and a half? I don't know. That's so many points in an SEC points. game. Um, I, this is, it goes back to, I think the total points that Vegas set for Ole Miss is, is over under like 10.5 or 11.5 points. I think Ole Miss is going to score more than that. And their defense is better than people give them credit for. I, I'm going to take Ole Miss to cover, but I'm sure Bama will win big. Because Bama needs to get to the bye week. They need to get healthy. So I, I'm assuming this will be one of those games where they're going to be resting a, a couple players, especially in the second half. I think that there's also talk about whether or not John Reese Plumley is going to be able to play in this one. Yeah. Um, if he's going to come in for, for Matt Corral, who left late in that game the other day against Cal. And I don't know if that really changes my outlook. This, this to me, this matchup depends on how much Ole Miss defense has really improved because they've right. just been run off the field the last two times against Bama. And if they're actually in better spots to make plays, then maybe you won't see those 70, 80-yard touchdowns that Bama has become so, so known for with right. Tua under center. So I'm reluctantly, for some crazy reason, going to take Ole Miss to cover, but but barely. And, and I think that it's one of those games where maybe you look up and it's, it's 42 to 14 or something, or 42 right. to, to 10, or, or just something like that. But I, I think that 
Ole Miss, for whatever reason, I think is going to be able to hang around a little bit longer. And I guess that reason's Mike McIntyre. So I guess I'll take the 37 and a half points and not really feel good about it. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think the best bet on here is probably that, that Ole Miss over 10 and a half, which I, I know they only put up 10 points against Memphis and its offense has struggled at times. But this does seem like, this feels like one of those games where, and I hate to diminish it because it's still a conference game, but this is like a late in the game, you're, you're trying to work on things. And this is Rich Rod's return to Tuscaloosa, by the way. Ooh, Didn't mention good that. Good point. Good point. No. Revenge that team for Rich well. Rod. Well, not really, not really for him. Do, do you think his wife is making the trip to Tuscaloosa? I, you know what? I hope to God she does. <laughs> and I hope they just, they, I hope they sing Rammer Jammer to her. Ooh. Gosh, what a savage move that would be. That would be like Miami trolling Jim McElwain and playing a little baby shark. Did you That's hear about right. that? What a, what a move. What a move, Miami. I set the over-under for Alabama rushing yards in this one at 149.5. Keep in mind, Ooh. Ole Miss, as it stands right now, you're not going to believe this, uh, is uh, ranked 25th in the country against the run. Ole Miss, the Land Sharks. I, I, t- I told you that on Sunday. They're, they're ranked ahead of, of Bama. Like yeah, they were ranked ahead of Bama. Yeah, yeah, so much ahead of Bama. I didn't realize it was top twenty-five. The, I mean, the defense really has been impressive. I like and Ole Miss. I, that, the game against Cal, like I know it was sloppy and they and they didn't win late and all that kind of stuff. But they they looked more impressive to me than I think we originally gave them credit for. And it and it mainly is the defense. It, it really is because you lost so much production on that offense. I think Bama will be under one hundred and fifty yards rushing because that's just not the offense. What a, what a state of affairs. What a, what a sign of the times, though. It, it is crazy. I, I, I agree. I think I think that they would be probably be a little bit under that just because if they're if they're looking to throw the ball all over the place and if they if they do uh, stretch the field with some of those deep passing plays, then yeah, why why run it a million times a game when you don't right. have to? Mississippi State and Auburn. I'm surprised that Auburn is still a as of right now, Auburn is still a double digit favorite for this game at Ten and a half. Now I'm saying that knowing that Auburn is feeling really good. I've argued that Auburn should be a top five team. Auburn playing at home against Mississippi State, which has had some inconsistency this year. Obviously, Auburn is an obvious pick to win this game. Having said that, we've seen early on from Vegas the the trepidation so far with a, having a true freshman at quarterback. That line was really low against Tulane. The line they were a four point dog against Texas A and M. That's why I'm surprised that this hasn't come down even more. You were such a homer. It's gone up. So wait, I thought it was. I thought did it open? Oh, it opened at nine. Oh, yeah, and it oh, got up to oh, eleven and a half. Oh. Okay, and All I right. will explain to you why. And I'm going to throw Please out some numbers. So strap in, guys. <laughs> um, so Mississippi State, like they, they have this game in particular. I think they are the under. First off, is six and one in the last seven games uh, in this series. The under is seven and zero oh in Mississippi State's last seven road games. Um, and I think they're they're five. Mississippi State's five and two against the spread in their last seven against Auburn. So they, this game is like usually pretty competitive. And we all remember the game in 2014, I believe it was, against LSU, where Mississippi State went to Death Valley, had a huge upset, and over, I think then they were number eight in the country for LSU at the time. Since that game, do you know how many road games versus ranked teams that Mississippi State has won? I'm going to say road games against ranked teams. Oh, I'm going to say one. Uh, zero. Okay, that's one. Zero and nine. All right. Zero and nine. Okay. And they're they're losing those games by an average 
of 21 points. It's not even close. Um, I do think this is kind of a trap game for Auburn because of the win last week, and then you got to go to Florida, Florida yep. obviously, next week. But, you know, and I understand a lot of those numbers aren't from Joe Moorhead, but you look at last year and what they did against, you know, on the road against Kentucky, what they did against Bama and LSU, all three of those spots where you're on the road against a ranked team, not only did they lose, they lost bad. They lost, they lost badly. So I, I'm going to take Auburn to cover because I think Mississippi State's offense, it, it, they're going to have some issues, like one being on the road because they haven't, they haven't gone away from – they haven't played a, a true road game yet this season. Right. Um, and that offense is going to revolve around Kylan Hill. And it's going to be tough to get those yards against this defense. You're not going to believe this, but I'm also I'm going to agree with you. I don't think the matchup sets up really well for Mississippi State in this one. Damn I'm going to take. I'm going to. I'm actually going to take Auburn to cover, and and here's why. I think that I, I have praised Kylan Hill. I have loved the job that he has done so far. He has been every bit of the, the player that I thought he was going to be. Shameless right. plug. I'm going to have a Kylan Hill feature coming out this week ahead of this game. I think that this matchup against that defensive line is not ideal for what this offense is right now, which is still figuring itself out. We don't know who's even going to be starting at quarterback necessarily for Mississippi State in this one. Garrett Schrader showed some really impressive things, I thought, against Kentucky. Still a little bit inconsistent, as you would expect from a true freshman. And we don't know the health and status of Tommy Stevens for this game. So without knowing that, without really knowing the identity of this offense fully yet, other than Kylan Hill is the, is the thing that I trust in this offense the most, and I know how well Auburn has been against the run, where they essentially they eliminated that against the Aggies last week. Yeah. They really did. I think this is a really tough matchup for them on the road, and I'll, I'll take Auburn to, to, to win that game by maybe maybe 14 points. I haven't decided on my final number for that yet. but The under, by the way, again, uh, the under is the play, in my opinion. What's the total? Like, it's at 47.5. Okay. Um, and, you know, and to be fair, like – they don't have the outright wins for, for Mississippi State a lot, like like I said, against the ranked teams on the road. But Gus is only 3-8-1 and one, uh, in the last two years as the home favorite. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. I think Vegas has adjusted accordingly for, for Auburn in this developing offense, though. That's the, right. I guess that's the, the kickback. So we talked about Mississippi State, the quarterback situation. We don't know if it's going to be Tommy Stevens. We don't know if it's going to be Garrett Schrader. My over-under for this game is quarterbacks played. Yeah, I set, this is a good stat. I set the over-under at 3.5, keeping in mind that we saw, we've saw we seen Joey Gatewood with this sort of 2006 Tim Tebow packet. I'm not saying he's Tim Tebow, people. I'm not saying it's that. It's the second person you've called Tim Tebow. I'm sorry. Today. I can't help it. I can't help it. DeKalb Tim Tebow. <laughs> we've seen this package that, that, that has been put in place for Joey Gatewood near the goal line and all that. So we would tend to think that he would get in this game and then not knowing what Mississippi State's quarterback situation is. What do you like with that over-under? I, I'm going to say under because I, 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 th- I don't know. Like, I think that Gatewood's definitely going to play. What, I don't know what Mississippi State's going to do. I, I don't know if Tommy Stevens is going to play or not. I, I think that the team is kind of rallied behind Schrader, especially after last week. Yeah, and Stevens did start two games in which Schrader relieved him in. So that's right. something that's probably worth noting as well. But yeah, it, it is it is sort of unpredictable right now. Joe Moorhead's keeping that very, very close to the vest. Not sure if he's made a final decision on that. I'm, I'm right. sure that he's, he's waiting to see just what Tommy Stevens' shoulder looks like going into that one. How about this? A&M is a 23-point favorite against Arkansas. That game, of course, being played in Dallas. This is actually my lock of the week. We want to get to this well, right now? Well, I mean, let's 
Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, no. Why don't you Why don't you tell me? You start off with with, with yours. Who you think is going to be able to cover in this one, and then I'll I'll get to lock of the week. I, so I don't understand why this line is so high. I, I, it makes no sense to me. Like, so again, last week, remember, like two weeks ago, Arkansas was favored by ten points for some unknown reason against Colorado State, and they actually covered. The following week, Vegas doubles it to twenty and a half points, and they get beat at home by by San Jose State. This week, it's the total opposite direction. A&M, <clears throat> 23-point favorite. This game has been decided by seven points or less in four of the last five years. Yep. Um, A&M's won seven in a row, but A&M is also one in four against the spread in their last five SEC games. One in four. So I am going to take Arkansas to cover because it, does, it make, makes no sense to me that if a team has, again, it's been decided, this game is, no matter how bad Arkansas has been over the past couple of years, or how good A and M has been early in the season, because it, it, it doesn't seem like they're you know they haven't been in the situation before, like where A and M's ranked and Arkansas you know is not a good team, and it's always close. I, I agree with you, and it feels strange to pick a team <clears throat> that just lost to San Jose State as my lock of the week, but that's where we're at. Yeah. I am I am taking Arkansas to cover a twenty three point spread in this game. For part, partially because of the reasons that you just mentioned, where in the five years that that game has been played in Jerry World in Dallas, for the five games being decided by by a touchdown or less, three of those games have been overtime games as well. Right. Huge revenge game in this one. Nick Starkle starting oh, starting yeah. starting starting against his former team A and M. The fact that he's not wearing the Justin Bieber shirt anymore. <laughs> it's just the most huge, ridiculous story huge story in college football. I was blown away by that, by the way. The fact that Justin Bieber actually responded to Nick Starkle, he's probably been waiting forever to, to get a response from Justin Bieber. And the fact that he, and, it took him <laughs> cutting up his shirt and saying, I'm done with this. It was like in Major League when Joe Boo says, oh, Joe Boo, if you don't help me here right now, I'd be, I'm done with you. That was a terrible imitation. I apologize for that. But it's essentially that. It's essentially that. I, I, you know what? I all I saw when he, because he put out the tweet, he's like, you know, like attention hog fans or whatever, and he was like, no more distractions. Like I'm, I'm focused on the season. It's like, well, it's we're four games in, Nick. Like that should have already happened. And you deciding to focus by throwing away and cutting up a Justin Bieber T-shirt. Yeah, that was distracting that, like, you. <laughs> it was like the worst version of the Tebow uh, speech after the Ole Miss loss. It was like, what? What? <laughs> I promise, it will never, never listen to Justin Bieber again. I, oof, not a good look. You, you do you, man. We're, we're, we're caught up you need to wear. I don't really, I don't really care. I don't think that's going to make or break your performance, but all right, do, do whatever you got to do. So it's I hope not- it comes out like in a Selena Gomez or like a, you know what, just like do a throwback and just do like sync, Backstreet Boys, something like that. That would be, that would be phenomenal. I think that besides that, also revenge game again for Rakeem Boyd, John the Don, Javis, yep. and Chad Morris. A&M grad, even though he doesn't really want to say A&M, which is kind of weird. Anyways, um, there's also something else here. Jimbo Fisher's last 22 games against Power 5 teams in in the regular season, so normal amount of prep time, all that. His last win by 24 points against a Power 5 team in the regular season was 2016 against Syracuse. Last year in the regular season, I didn't realize this until I went back and looked this up. Last year in the regular season, I know they had the bowl game, but in the regular season, AM beat one Power 5 team by double digits. And it was a home game in November, I believe. Yeah, I think it was in November. 14-point win against Ole Miss. An Ole Miss team that wasn't going to a bowl game. Right. So, having said all of that, AM, for whatever reason, 
played down to its competition a lot last year. A lot. And I would not be surprised if once again they did that. And because college football is weird and because it makes no sense, and we'll say, well, what happened with Arkansas last week? Why were they able to not able to win against San Jose State? Why are they able to stay in the same field as AM? I don't know. College football is weird. Kids show up at different times. I think they have a yeah. big response in this one. I'd be surprised. I'd be stunned if AM won by more than 23 points. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be stunned because I, nothing I don't think can stun me at this point with Arkansas. But that's a really, really good number. Um, and I was proud of you for actually saying the sentence correctly, too, because that's something I've struggled with on the podcast. <laughs> Sentences there. are hard. Sentences are hard. But no, I, I like that lock of the week. That's. Do uh, you want to move on to the lock of the weeks now? Real quick, Nick Starkle revenge game references. I set the over oh, under yeah. 2.5. Uh, I'm going to say under because I, I totally forgot about that. It's too late to say sorry. They're going to talk about Bieber way more than that. I love it. Then that's I don't. I'm kind of over that storyline at this point. But, um, I, you know, I think Starkle could, like, this. Is, he looked so bad last week. Like, I don't even know if revenge game is the best way to put it, but, like, he a bounce back game. They'll, they'll say that, like, easily over two and a half times. Okay. Uh, I need all the Bieber references. If I was on, if I was doing play-by-play <laughs> for a game with Nick Starkle, I'd have so many Bieber references lined up for this one. Just way too many. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. I'll tell you what I don't love, Connor. Last week we went 0-3 in our picks. Oh, too Our soon. locks of the week. It was not great. Um, so this week, Uncle Chris put in a lot of research, a lot of time. So I'm hoping we're going to have some winners. I'll let you go first. I already did my – I just did my lock of the week. Were you not there for That's it? A very good point. I was. I'm, just, I'm so scatterbrained right now because I've been t- – I keep, like, panic researching still during the podcast. All right. Here, you know what? Just I'm going to make I'm gonna make the decision and just say – all right, here we go. UAB. UAB Moneyline is, is my number one lock of the week. Are you done now? I'm still going. Um, UAB lock of the week. That's, that's my number one pick. Um, they are playing at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is – Pretty bad. And also UAB is 29 and 1 against spread uh since 2017. Wait, so, what? 29 yeah. and 1? 29 and like okay, hold on. 29. Oh gotcha. And one. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's not oh, you know what that sounded a lot more I was impressive. Say, the first that time is I said it. Free money that I wasn't aware of. My goodness. But it's still, I mean, they're still covering a lot. And and also Western Kentucky has just been bad this season. Just really bad. And so I'm going to take UAB. Like that number is so low, and that's a that's a program I think is not given enough credit from Vegas yet because they're so new. Um, or, you know, cause wait, back. Are you? Do you realize that? I I think I'm pretty sure here. You're betting against story of a hurl. Oh, I'm fine with that. I, you know what? I've lost a lot of faith in Arkansas quarterbacks in the past, like the past couple of weeks. Betting on Arkansas has not been great for me. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go against story of a hurl. Okay. This is the story of a hurl. There it is. Uh, so UAB, like I said. That is number one. I also like the over FSU and NC State over 29 and a half points combined in the first half. Oh, okay. I kind of want to take Florida State, like no matter what, the line hasn't come out yet, but no matter what the spread is in the first quarter, I, I kind of want to take Florida State because they have been so good in the first quarter this year. Like they're, they're averaging True. 23 points a game in the first half uh, this season, and obviously they've just been a giant blank show in the second half but nc states they have they're coming off a bye week uh they're both these teams are putting up like 33 points a game i, I think there'll be a lot of points early because i mean also because florida state's defense sucks yeah if only florida state had an offensive-minded head coach and an offensive coordinator that they paid a million dollars for against the will of their student body i mean that'd be a nice thing to have in the situation yeah right? that's true i see i see what you did there yeah. it seemed unnecessary but yeah um so then also last two because we threw out four this week 
I kind of like S- I like SMU minus three in the first half because they're playing against they're four zero. Obviously, they're on the road against South Florida. South Florida has been awful, awful this season. And Charlie Strong is one and nine against the spread in his last ten games mm. at home. Blake so that's Barnett. not good. Oof. Yeah, they're they're averaging like. Uh, their they're scoring offense in the first half is like under three points. It's, it's been really bad. And then uh, Ohio State, minus 10. I feel like that's just going to be like... Last year, I, I bet on Bama to cover in the first quarter every single week, and it was the best bet of the year because, you know, it took Vegas a minute to catch on. They were putting up like 21 points in the first quarter every game. Uh, Ohio State's got a very good defense. I don't think highly of Nebraska, so I think minus 10 in the first half. I like that. And that's that'll be my those are my four locks. The one reservation I'd have, and I know I gave you blowback for. I don't want. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, Connor, because you did this last week against Indiana, and they covered by like a bazillion. Yeah, two. Yeah, two. All right, I want. I want to hear it. The Justin Fields overthrows. That that that's what I saw early on against Indiana, and he he was a little bit hyped up for that. With it's a little bit different. This is going to be his first big time road atmosphere that he's starting in. A little bit right. different than what he was dealing with in Bloomington. Going to Lincoln, a place that's going to have 90,000 people. He was he was a little bit too juiced up in that game against Indiana early on where you're just like, wait a minute, why, why is he missing some of these basic throws early on? If he's doing against that against the, against Nebraska, I don't think that bodes well. But I do think that Ohio State wins that game, obviously. Yeah, they scored 42 points in the second quarter last week. And I don't care who you're playing. That's, that's right, ridiculous. Right, right, yeah. And also, I mean, Nebraska, I, I just don't – like, I don't know how Nebraska's going to score – on Ohio State's defense, especially early on. They've been dominant in the first half. Just dominant. Um, th- I'm not going to throw this in the locks, but this is one to, to keep an eye on. Um, Kansas State, is they're getting five points on the road at Oklahoma State. You know what, Connor? Make it a lock. Let's just make it a lock. Boom. Uh, they're a five-point underdog in Oklahoma State. They've covered, or at Oklahoma State, they've covered the last seven in a row uh, against Oklahoma State. And they also are 16-5 and five straight up. Uh, as a road underdog. So that's crazy. Did you hear Mike Gundy dunk on that reporter, by the way? That was the worst. That was, <laughs> that was uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable. Oh, that, so that was like a call-in? It wasn't like in person? No, it was a teleconference. Oh, God. Yeah, it was crazy. The, the little, the awkward thing at the end was like, uh, thank you. That was... <laughs> if, you have, if you haven't heard that yet, go go search Mike Gundy dunks on reporter. I'm sure it'll come up very, very quickly. Connor, I can't tell you how physically, I like better I feel now that we've made our picks because I, I feel like there's no more stress because I've been really, really nervous <clears throat> after last week. After Oh, well, we have to bounce back too. We're a little bit, we have a little bit of the Nick Starkle right now where last week was sort of a that five interception type week for us. We didn't necessarily cut up our Bieber shirts, at least not that anybody knows about. And, I know you didn't. Yeah. And, and we need to bounce back this week. So we're, we're here for it. We're going to bounce back. I feel good about that. Okay. Let's kick it to our interview with our best friend, one of our best friends, your best friend, now that the restraining order has been lifted, the man, the myth, the legend, Paul Feinbaum. We're now excited to be joined by our favorite analyst on Get Up. It is Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> um, Paul, you, you're currently in New York City. Uh, as you often are these days, you're doing various things across ESPN's platforms. We were just talking about it before we came on. How often do you get recognized walking down the street in New York City? You know, surprisingly more than uh, I, I was I ever dreamed. Uh, the other day, a couple of uh, New York uh, terrorism policemen stopped me and, and started talking college football. <laughs> Whoa. And, you know, I, I didn't want to tell, I mean, I didn't want to say, hey, guys, uh, you know, we're about three blocks from the World Trade Center. Could you guys keep your, could you, maybe you could tell me how great Notre Dame is going to be and start looking around for, uh, for suspecting, <laughs> uh, 
for suspecting Georgia fans here. But uh, you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm still surprised, and I know, uh, kind of, you know me pretty well. I mean, I sh- maybe I shouldn't be, but when you're on, I don't believe anybody listens to what I say on television. But when you're on in the morning on Get Up and First Take and Sports Center, people just see you and they think they know you. I had a guy stop me the other day on a plane. He goes, man, I've always wanted to meet you. You're my favorite guy. I said, well, thank you very much. He said, he said man, I watch you and Wilbon every day on PTI. So, <laughs> I've been on PTI one oh, time man. in my life. Um, so, you know, you, you just kind of roll with the punches and people say, uh, I know who you are. And you go, yeah, you know, I'm uh, – um, I'm uh, George W. Bush. And they go, all right, great to meet you, Mr. Bush. I mean, they have all the but they recognize you from seeing on ESPN. That's that's awesome. So before we dig into some stuff, um, along those same lines, the New York conversation, I'm not sure if people realize just how crazy your in-season travel schedule has become now that you're doing all these trips in New York. Can you give our listeners a snapshot of what and where you have obligations just this week? Yeah, I mean, it's the same every week. So, I, I, I mean, I'm... I'm not complaining. I mean, I, most of what I do, by the way, is, is elective. I mean, nobody is making me do it. Um, I, I start Monday. I, I do the show Monday uh, in, in Charlotte. I fly to New York Monday night. I do uh, Get Up Sports Center, Golick, uh, First Take, uh, and, and our own show on Tuesday and Wednesday from New York. I go back Thursday, and then Friday I go to SEC Nation, where I do our show Friday afternoon, SEC Nation Saturday. And then, just to top it off, I fly to – Connecticut every Saturday night so I can be on Sports Center before both of you are up on Sunday morning. <laughs> oh my gosh. And and to be clear, when you're doing SEC Nation, you're you're going to wherever that, that campus is. Yeah. So that's another yeah. it's not like you're just going back to Charlotte and doing that, which is the amazing yeah, thing. Yeah, it's really uh, nothing convenient like going to College Station, Houston, you know, right. Havana, right. Atlanta, Miami before you get to Hartford. Um but you know, I I'm I'm at a point in my life where I really like doing it. It's fun. Uh, and, you know, it's, I mean, I, I do remember, I have to remember sometimes that the fine bomb show starts at three. Um, but I, you know, I really have a good time with it. I mean, uh, I, as, as a young, uh, sports writer, uh, a million years ago, I always dreamed of working and living in New York and <laughs> now I do. So, uh, That's it, awesome. it, it wasn't exactly how I intended to get here. Well, I'm glad you're finally enjoying that. Um, <laughs> so I, I was thinking about this last week because, like, that travel schedule is ridiculous. So, like, by the end of the week when you're tired from all the travel, do you need coffee to wake you up? Or is Tim Tebow yelling on set, like, just enough for anyone? Uh, T- Tebow could wake up a small country. Uh, right. with, <laughs> <laughs> but you got to remember, I mean, I, I'm, I'm now bookended between uh, Tebow and Marty Smith. So uh, it, it's, it's really... Uh, you don't need coffee on Saturday morning. Right. Gosh. Between the, yeah, the Marty two... party and uh, Tim. That's yeah, a good really, point, yeah. They, they, they uh, by the way, up. before we, uh, I'm sure I'll see a headline on Saturday on South, Feinbaum slams co-workers. <laughs> no, 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 no. We got this embargoed. We will tell our news team, hey, let's, we'll take it easy. We're not going to have any headline-related stuff. Unless, of course, <laughs> you want to put somebody on the hot seat. Now, I mean, because, Paul, you do the best job at this. When I come on your show and you ask me questions that I haven't even thought about yet, and then after they come out, and then you guys tweet out the whatever whatever tweet with the quote with me saying it, and Florida fans just 
rip me a new one on social That's media. So, I, I mean, I guess we would be kind of going back and forth a little bit if we were to do that, hypothetically speaking, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's where we live. I remember uh, when I was a, uh, just starting out, I asked uh, Bear Bryant once, uh, you're playing Arkansas State or somebody. I mean, by the way, a team that Arkansas would lose to now, but not Alabama. Ooh. And, <laughs> uh, and I, I said, uh, you know, are you concerned about Arkansas State? He said, I'm scared to death of Arkansas State. And I, that was my lead, and my editor called me and said, are you out of your mind? I said, no, that's what he said. So I now try to uh, when, when Connor's on, it's a it's a it's a it's a parlor game. I say Connor, uh, can Florida win ten games? And Connor goes, uh, well, yeah. So I, I mean, I try to like push you into it. And uh, the Twitter, I mean, it's a little different now without John Hayes because John was like John sure. already had his hand on the send button. He already written it out. Right. Uh, and and no, it's just my goal when Connor's on the show is to is to make his life miserable with every single fan base in the SEC. <laughs> That's you know well, what I appreciate that Paul. Thank you. <laughs> you do that very very successfully. The the storylines that I mean we've talked about a lot, but maybe maybe the most intriguing storyline for you so far in the SEC is what? Uh, I think on one level it has to be LSU because uh, I mean they are the darling of the first third of the season. And you kind of thought they might be, but you weren't convinced of it. So you know, Joe Burrow. I was at uh, SEC Media Days, and I'm with all the smart guys, and they said, hey, top three quarterbacks in the SEC. And I, I put Joe as number three, and I got stares from uh, my colleagues up and down. And, and by the way, that was, I, I didn't do it because I, I thought he was great. I just happened to like him. <laughs> I mean, it was, he's a cool guy. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, so LSU, because of the Texas win, you know, Auburn's probably not getting enough credit. Um, right. But yeah, you have to go with LSU. I mean, they they have won the first third of the uh, the season. I don't want to like discredit myself any more with you than I already have, but I had uh, Jared Garantano as my third quarterback, which is just I mean, e- full of regrets. E- um, well, no, but talk about here, the LSU. Here, thing, hey, a, by the way, uh, here, the problem with uh, Jared is you know you, you're not good enough to change your name from Tano to Tano. Okay, so yes, exactly. Uh, great point. That, that's where, that's no. why it went downhill. I, I completely agree with yep. that. Um, you know, talking about the LSU though, a lot of a lot of talk about this finally being the year that Bama gets knocked off. What team do you think has the best chance to do it from what you've seen so far this season? Is it LSU or Georgia, or is it a team like Auburn that could you know with that defensive line could possibly give Bama fits up front? I still think it's it's Georgia um, because of, of the completeness of their team and. Yeah, I, 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 Alabama's hard to read right now because uh, they played uh, four high school teams. Uh, so you don't really know. 7A high I, school, I though. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean listen, uh, private schools, um, right. boarding schools. <laughs> but I, I think they're – I still think they're pretty good uh, on that level. Uh, yeah, LSU, I do – I am a little concerned about the defense, and I, I, I think the statistics will bear me out there. So let's play a little little parlay game here. I'm going to give you okay. four SEC coaches, and you're going to tell me the coach who you most believe will be fired at the end of the season, and you're also going to tell me who's definitely going to be back in 2020. So we'll dock. Hold on. You, you know we're not allowed say that at the sec network we're not allowed to fire coaches oh that's so, true okay so then let's let's just take half of that let's say well, i'm going to give but, you the but four you, co- yeah, but, but since nobody knows about this uh, 
and I'm struggling. <laughs> yeah, this is just a conversation between us. It's not going to get out to the masses. Uh, so don't worry about it. You can I say whatever you I want. Never, I would never censor myself. At the, uh, so just fire away. Uh, the four coaches, I guess, are Saban, Kirby, Mullen. And... <laughs> <laughs> so Pruitt, Matt Luke, Will Muschamp, Chad Morris. Now, you can take the, the road. If you don't want to say that one of those coaches is going to be fired, that's fine. Say the one that you have the most confidence will be back. And if you are correct, we'll shot it from the mountaintops and we'll give you all the credit in the world. Yeah, I I I think uh, I'll I'll answer it in a convoluted way, uh, just so nobody can pick it up and make a big headline out of it. Um, <laughs> I, I would say my, uh, Matt Luke would be uh, the most perilous of that group, and because I just don't think he, you know, he has a new uh, he has an interim AD, and he just doesn't have a uh, he doesn't have a, a fundamental base underneath him. I mean, I, we, we all know Matt Luke's story, and we all like him. But Muschamp has an eighteen billion dollar buyout. Pruitt right. uh, is Philip Fulmer's hire. Um, Mus, uh, you know, Chad Mars. I, I, I don't really know what he has, but uh, he probably, uh, you know, he, he probably has a little more going for him uh, from a trajectory standpoint than, than Matt Luke does right now. Chad, Chad Morris, like the way he's coaching this season, it reminds me of like me being in Vegas. Like whatever I'm up, I just give it right back. And I just, it is not looking <laughs> great. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I'm probably more disappointed. I mean, I, I think Matt Luke can coach football. Um, I think he's, he just, you know, he's got, he's, he's, he's played two fairly. I mean, listen, his losses to Memphis and Cal, uh, compare right. that to um, San Jose State and what was the other Arkansas loss? Uh I guess uh, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Ole Miss, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I mean, don't forget well, them skating by Portland State. <laughs> yeah, so I... Uh, how many losses do they have? Arkansas have now? I've lost track. So two. two and two, yeah. Uh, it, it seems like they have, like, six. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, but you know you know more, more are coming, like, like every week. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest loss they've taken so far is is their quarterback coming out in like a, a very Tebow Ole Miss press conference kind of way, where he like was like, you know what, I'm finally going to throw away this Justin Bieber T-shirt though, and I'm really going to start yeah. focusing on the season. So that's that's been their toughest loss in my opinion. But the problem is, if you're Arkansas, uh, what do you do? Um, yeah. that, that, that's always the dilemma. And I think Tennessee, uh, I think everyone's in that situation where you don't want to just burn the. You know, burn the you know burn the house down and start over again uh, when you're about three quarters of the way finished. But you also have to admit it's a pretty ugly looking house. Right. I mean, so speaking to that point with Pruitt, like, what has been a bigger or who's been a bigger disappointment this season, Jeremy Pruitt in year two or Jim Harbaugh in year five? Well, I think you have to go Harbaugh because uh, Harbaugh's shown in the past that he was a big time coach. Uh, he was the first choice. He wasn't the eighth choice. Uh, he's won before. Pruitt has never had. Any, you know, Pruitt doesn't have experience as a head coach, and that, that's what I'm concerned about. I mean, I, I'm I'm fairly concerned about Tennessee right now because if they start off one and six, then you know what can Philip Fulmer do to to keep people calm? I, I think right now uh, the the fan. I mean, I'm not talking about uh, the Twitter crazies. Okay, I'm talking about fans who live in Knoxville who support the program I, I don't think they're quite at the uh, quite a DEFCON one yet 
Paul, be honest. The other day when Michigan was losing that game to Wisconsin and we saw the tweet. It, now, the tweet came from your account, so I'm not going to necessarily say that it wasn't you. But be honest, did John Hayes hop back into your Twitter account and have a little nice little dig at Jim Harbaugh during the middle of that Michigan-Wisconsin no, game? No, 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 because if Hayes had done it, it there would have been curse words, and he would have gone ahead and fired. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, listen, I, I, know, I, I know people uh, think because uh, you know, I'm, I'm from a different era, I do not know how to open my iPhone. Um, that tweet came uh, at 38,000 feet. <laughs> I was... Uh, I was watching. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, no uh, Harbaugh's mine. I mean, I, nobody can tweet Harbaugh but me. Uh, no, I, I don't tweet. <laughs> That's... I, I, no, I, I can like let you in on a really big secret. I don't tweet the hey coming up on the five bomb show. Connor O'Gara at four o five. I mean, I, um, I'm too busy in makeup at that it. point. But uh, but yeah, I, 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 Saturday's all mine, and I, I don't like to, I don't tweet a lot, and I don't uh, you know, get defensive. I mean, one of these days I'm going to do the ten most offensive media members on Twitter. Um, but, but yeah, I, I was I was keeping up with that game pretty closely, to say the I mean, and partly, not that I'm really that concerned about Michigan football, but I know that when I show up on on, on the uh, Sunday morning show and on the, you know, with Greenberg and Stephen A, that is going to be topic number one. So, Paul, what I'm hearing is since you have Saturday, you know, I, I know the producers and stuff, they do the coming up next on the Paul Feinbaum show, they do that stuff during the week. It sounds like you have a lot of time on social media that you can outsource to two willing participants who yeah. will gladly take over your account and just tweet fire takes and maybe you know just get you just get you out there even more so than you already are. Is that something that you would potentially be interested in giving to people well, who you're talking to right now? I tell you what, uh, if you go back five six years ago, I, I had a great Twitter handle. I mean, I was. <laughs> I was throwing stuff uh, left and right, and then, uh, well, the company I worked for became a little more uh, mm. un unforgiving on Twitter, and uh, I, I pretty much uh, delegated it all to, to the uh, dearly departed John Hayes. And uh, yeah, but I, I I still occasionally have fun with it, uh, but I don't do uh, yeah. Listen, as long as I'm at ESPN, the Twitter account will be pretty boring. Gotcha. Okay. Well, just in case you want to throw it out there, we could just we'll put our initials but, at the bottom you know, of it, just I'm, so that everybody I'm, knows. You know, I, I, I mean, it might be worth giving this gig up just so I can have a, a more entertaining Twitter account. <laughs> so much fun. Hey, just like Magic Johnson, just give up your job. Just like you can just have a yeah. life on Twitter. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, all right. So bringing it back to um, you know the, these contenders, you talked about Michigan before and Harbaugh, and you've obviously had to talk about that stuff on ESPN platforms. What's a who's a team, and it doesn't have to just be in the SEC, a team who you're not necessarily sold on that everybody else seems to be sold on? Yeah, I mean, so, as you, I mean, the, you know, I, I am sold on, on the, the, the four SEC schools, so I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, I'm still not sure about Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, I really like I, I, Jalen Hurts has been fabulous, but you know, what do we really know about them? Texas, I don't think is uh, incredibly. And, and by the way, I don't think there's a lot of schools really uh, in contention here anymore. But uh, yeah, after right. after the four SEC schools, and I think you have to include Auburn in that group: uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Uh, and and my, I guess I have a question back for you um, because is when does Clemson play its first game? For Gosh. real. 
That's a good question. That is a good I question. Mean, I, it might I, not I, happen until the playoff. Is, is Trevor Lawrence in witness protection? I mean, I, I mean, is anyone going to see this guy before late Jan- late December? Well, I mean, we're he better hope it. not because of how he's playing. Yeah, that's and there's uh, another question to be asked. You know, De'Ara King just did the the redshirting thing yesterday, where he's sitting after four games and he's going to come back next year. It, you know, if you're Clemson, do you just redshirt Trevor Lawrence and just say, "Hey, we're going to save him for next year. We're going to preserve a year of eligibility. We're going to see if we can win a national championship without him, and maybe extend our our window here." Paul, what do you think about that <laughs> idea? Well, okay, listen, no, nobody really believes he's coming back to Houston. <laughs> I mean, that, I love that story. Yeah, I'm just true. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay in good stead here. By uh, I mean, that guy's long gone. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I was having one of my producers say, "Oh, he's already staying." I said, "Well, do you believe him?" I mean, come on. Um, but but Trevor, Trevor may already be out of the Heisman race. As crazy as that sounds, because what can he do and on what right. platform to to really be a contender? Uh, it's you know his games remaining uh, at North Carolina this week, uh, NC State. Against South, I'll try to say this with a straight face. Against South Carolina. Yeah, don't forget Wake. Wake yeah, Force, good. I, I mean these are. I mean, I mean, not that I feel sorry for the guy with that kind of hair, but uh, <laughs> I think he. <laughs> um, okay, talk me, talk me, like some sense into me on this because I, I felt like this was a good question yesterday when I brought it up, but maybe I'm just crazy. Yeah. So. Say that injuries finally catch up with Bama or another team beats them this year. They're, and, and for whatever reason, because of you know they go 11-1, they don't get the SC Championship game, they're kept out of the playoff. Two ahead to the NFL. Would his career at Bama be considered somewhat of a disappointment if he left without winning a national title after this year, winning one title as a backup? Well, he's won one. So, uh, I mean, he, you know, it's not like he, he didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think that's. I think I think it would be more directed towards Saban because uh, Tua is very likely right. to be the number one player taken. So I, I don't think. I mean, no matter what Tua does from this point on, he's got one of the greatest plays in college football history on his resume. So True. that is that is. Right. Great. I, I would I would I would contend that that is a that is an overreach and a typical question from somebody trying to make headlines. <laughs> I would I never more do so, that. I meant more so in the fact that like that they didn't maximize off of how like this is the best quarterbacking program in history. Well, again, they haven't uh, been able to maximize it's like that. it's like uh, you know, you know, it depends on what area you're in. I mean, Phil Mickelson probably should have won five or six more majors, but he ended up in the in the era of Tiger. So uh, right. you just have to. Uh, you just have to factor that in that uh, he's in the air of, of, of again. It, it depends on who wins this year. If it's, if it's Jake right. Fromm, then it's probably a it's probably a little more stinging than it would be if uh, if it's Trevor Lawrence. I could just picture it right now, though. If if Bama doesn't win a national championship the, this year, the callers who oh, if, and let's say if Tua had a disappointing national championship maybe maybe not repeat his performance from last year but somewhat similar and the callers that you would get on your show that following Monday that would be saying oh you know maybe you know Jake Coker won as many national championships as Tua <laughs> what what would that could you even picture what that would be like if that no, happened again uh, cuz you've seen it like once but a different one happens twice yeah 
But my question back would be, um, what would be worse, Nick Saban losing to Kirby Smart and getting knocked out of the playoff in the SEC championship game or losing again for the third time in four years to Dabo Sweeney? They, I mean, they oh, both that's, cut that's... really deep. I don't think, I mean, I live in Georgia, and I can tell you right now, those fans are, like, it's going to happen at some point, and, and I'm not prepared for how they're going to handle winning a championship, but but it's Clemson by far. I, like, I've never seen a fan base that, they were, they were always so great. I went to so many Clemson games growing up. I've never seen a, a fan base so jaded after winning a championship. Well, Clemson, well listen, uh, Clemson fans the first time around, were were delusional, but uh, they were also nervous. They knew that, it, uh, that they would get their comeuppance, and they did the next year. I mean, that was very typical Clemson. But th- this last time is is, is ridiculous. I mean, it, uh, I, I I have n- never seen a, a more obnoxious and, and delusional fan base in in my career than than the Clemson fans in the aftermath of, of the beatdown in in Santa Clara. And and, and, I, and listen. The, things are cyclical. I mean, you're still Clemson. I mean, don't forget that. Uh, I mean, you, 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 I mean, you're you live in a city that you can't find on GPS. Uh, Auburn with a lake. I, mean, I went there a couple of years ago for uh, um, college game day on a Friday night at midnight, and I, I turned uh, in Greenville, I think it was, and all of a sudden my GPS just went black. I thought I was on the dark side of the moon. I couldn't find it. I wasn't oh sure. God. I wasn't sure if I was in South Carolina, or I wasn't even sure if I was in. The, I was in the, uh, the the northern hemisphere anymore. It was so dark and, and desolate. Uh, so I mean, just just be happy. You've, you've got a generational player, and you had another one in Deshaun Watson. You've got a really good coach who's got a yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to make fun of the, the 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 family atmosphere there. It's unique. I mean, it's a little scary, but it's unique. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't even, mind, I don't mind that. I just mind the fans who have pretty, pretty much been part of a, a losing, a losing, a losing program for for most of their existence, and 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 now they suddenly think they're Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Oklahoma wrapped into one. They're not. They're Clemson. Paul, I'm going off script here, but I think I kind of know what direction you're heading in. If you had to get into a fight on Twitter with Clemson fans or UCF fans, which which would you actually? Let's ask which would you least rather get into a fight with, Clemson I, or I, UCF fans? I think fans? it would be uh, it would be Clemson. Uh, UCF fans, I mean, have a pretty good Twitter game. I have to get. I mean, I know it's over yeah. right now. They, they lost the game, and you know, the next time they'll be relevant will be in 2038. But um, <laughs> I, but but yeah, I. I I, I I don't I'm not over I mean Clemson's the Clemson Twitter uh, fan approaches uh, Feinbaum you're a, you're a moron we beat we beat Saban uh, hashtag all in I mean oh okay I mean, forty four sixteen yeah I mean how many times do I need to see that come up with one unique thing uh, and listen I, I'm entertained you, you can't hurt my feelings on Twitter I just want to say that right now I I'm disappointed <laughs> oh. when I see someone compliment me. Um, I, I just sit there and watch stream after stream of Clemson fans reminding me, uh, you know, take your I, – I can't – I don't want to say it on a family podcast when it comes to Nick Saban's anatomy. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, mean <laughs> I, I have seen it all. So, you know, I mean, come up with one 
clever response on Twitter if you're a Clemson fan. Yeah, just fan. be creative. All right. Yeah. Challenges I mean, out there see, Clemson see fans. See another fan base's uh, approach. I mean, just quit, quit coming off so stupid. <laughs> Paul's, Paul's in New York now. He's got a higher standard. He's... He's, he's, you know, he's a higher brow citizen now. He's got a certain, you know, you he, he, he need to come at him with the heat, basically. So, Paul, we'll close you out with a couple questions about your world travels here. Your okay. favorite and least favorite thing about New York? Well, my favorite thing is, is New York. Uh, on a, it's all it's fairly weather related because I've been here so many times. But, I mean, New York on an October, uh, a September, October day oh, yeah. when it's nice is, is fantastic. But, I was here about three weeks ago, uh, and it was 58 degrees and raining. And, uh, I mean, it's like one of these uh, Star Wars uh, scenes where you're walking down the street and everybody's got an umbrella, and, and, and you're like, I mean, you're going to get your eye poked out. It's a dangerous city. <laughs> 40 million people with cheap umbrellas is not my idea of a good time. So it's, <laughs> But, but because my parents, you know, I'm not from here. My family, my, my mom and my dad and my sister are all from here. So this is it's always great to come back. And you know, now that I'm up here a lot, it's just, you, you, there's, you. I've never landed here yet. When you look at the skyline, you just come away breathless. Okay, so on to the important question. The one, the question that everyone wants to know the answer to, Paul. It's been over a year. Against all odds, I still have a job. Is the restraining order lifted, and can we be friends? Uh, the restraining order uh, has a limit, limited uh, existence. Uh, you can't you can't just have a continuum of restraining orders. Uh, so that part of the question is uh, there are there is no restraining order. The answer to your question can we can we still be friends is absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, I I want real, I, I want less to do with you today than I did last year in Atlanta. <laughs> I'm so much better now, Paul. It makes no sense. Yeah, it, it's not going to work. I mean, I'm sorry. I wish I could help you. Uh, Connor begged me. I mean, he sent me 400 texts last night. Be nice to this guy, and I can't even remember your name. Um, but uh... thanks, man. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, so Paul, we're uh, we're we're going to be in Charlotte this weekend. Uh, we're we're hanging out with uh, the SEC Network crew. We're going to um, be chatting up Dari and Doring and Gene, and we're going to be uh, some of our friends, some of our pals that we don't have restraining orders with. <laughs> well, um, listen, uh, any recommendations? Bars, restaurants that we should be hitting up? I, I I've been there six years. I'm still looking for the first good restaurant. Whoa, oh, Super Rica. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I eat smoothies for lunch every day, so uh, it's not really. I'm not really a connoisseur, but uh, Charlotte's—it's really, uh, a nice city. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. But you, you guys will have fun. It's—it uh, will be a lot. Uh, it will be pure entertainment. Uh, ask uh, you, can, you can talk to Gene Chizik about Cam Newton when you, in your downtime. Ooh. I can't wait for that, Paul. Did That'll you give us credit for not bringing up Cam Newton? Didn't say a single thing about him. That's pretty good yeah, on our I, part, I, right? I, really, I do appreciate that. I, I've, I'm I'm somewhat Cam Newtoned out, but uh, I may be play, I may be starting in the NFL before he does in the future. For real, jeez. Well, geez. I'm 100 percent gonna go sit at your desk and take a picture, like a selfie with it, and send it to you. Just know that I mean we don't have to be friends, but I'm still gonna annoy you with my friendship. Hey, it, it, if you can find my desk, send me a picture. 
<laughs> oh. oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Paul, we, we know you're busy. We appreciate you coming on. Um, it's just, it was nice to be able to, to get you on for an extended period of time. Know that you have uh, some tight windows there in New York, but uh, we look forward to hopefully doing this again real, real soon. And maybe we can do it in person sometime. That'd be fun. I would love to. Uh, no, seriously, it, it's always a pleasure. To, I, I'm not usually this crazy, but you guys bring out the worst in me. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. We'll talk soon. Hey, see you guys soon. I think New York Paul is a little bit different than Charlotte Paul. I, I could get he's that. He's feeling himself, huh? He kind of was. He was. Before he came on, he said, oh, yeah, you know, the only thing I have, I, I got Sports Center hit at noon. That's that's the, the only thing, so I don't have a, a hard out. Casual. Like that. Just casual, drop that in there. I love it, though. We love to get and talk to Paul. It was good to get to catch up with him, even though we didn't get to at SEC Media Days. His schedule was really, really, really tight there, so good to catch up with him. I'm sure we'll yeah. get to have him back on very, very soon. Marler, fourth and wrong. Let's do it. Boom. Okay, now that there's no more stress involved in this podcast and there's no more researching or numbers that I have to say out loud, uh, we're going to move into fourth and wrong. So each and every week, we ask you to send in your questions or advice that you want answered, non-football related, of course, by Connor and I. So the first question we have from Randall Lockhart. He said, which SEC coach, past or present, would you want to tailgate with and why? I'm betting a hard no on Muschamp because... He will probably drink too much Fireball, remove his shirt, and threaten to fight people. Connor, that sounds like pretty much what I do most of the time I go to tailgates. Yeah. See, there's different sides of tailgating. There is the more relaxed, I just want to enjoy my experience, and that's that's where we differ right there. And I can, yeah. I can see that. So I know that these answers are going to be different, and I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly okay with that. I know the default answer for me is just to say Joe Moore had to be the guy that oh, wanted to tailgate just because our personalities are pretty similar. I think we're both kind of laid back but at the same time you know we like to have a good time i'm not going to go in that direction i'm going to go with less miles just because i think spending that much time with him in a tailgate scenario where he's in, i mean he's i, I want to see somebody who's sort of out of his element i want it to right. be be weird i want him to be asking for his his grass smoothies and all that stuff i want to see less miles in that element more so because he was playing what was the video that went viral of him over the summer he's playing flip cup at, at kansas and, oh, i did not see that and doing all that stuff so i think less less would be good in a tailgating situation i realize the list on this is very very long you can go with a lot of different yeah. directions with it um i'm surprised you didn't say morehead i i would almost want to do that with morehead like he was on well now you make me feel like an idiot he's on like uh well, <laughs> i when you said that you guys are very similar personalities all i could think of was he he said that nas was one of his top five rappers of all time and I feel like you don't listen to a lot of music. I, I, I grew up with 90s <laughs> rap, though, in my defense. Okay, fair enough. And I've seen Jay-Z um, in concert, and he hasn't, so I'm just saying, whatever. There you go. Uh, I would say, I'm going to get a deep cut here. Uh, Joe Lee Dunn. Ooh, okay. He was a defensive coordinator who looked like he was always, always hungover and or drunk every single time. I don't think he wore socks on the sidelines. Overrated. Like, like he's just the most like disheveled-looking person. I, I, I think he's probably had some good stories, though. He has to have some good stories. Because he was a he was a D, D coordinator under Jackie Sherrill when they were, man, a lot of good stories. Yeah, that, that that's the other element too. If you're tailgating, are you just sitting there and talking with them, having a casual conversation, or is it more of the? I, we've had this this question asked to us multiple times in Fourth and Wrong. Your ideal golf foursome and what yeah. that would look like is this kind of similar to that, or is this more of inter- interactive, playing games with, just having fun with? It depends which way you want to take it, but I, I, I don't have a problem with the answer. I think I just want to, like my I would want to sit and and just booze somebody up so they can get a little loose lipped and, and start sharing some stories. 
That's what I would want. That's the goal. Uh, Urban Meyer would that be? Would that, would that count? I don't. I don't know if he would be. <laughs> <laughs> he would be invited. Um, yeah, dream golf foursome: Urban Meyer, Zach Smith, Ron Zook. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> um, okay, second Ron Zook. Second question: What was your favorite slash best Halloween costume as a kid? Thomas O'Neill Roy. When I was in third grade, my mom came up with the idea for me to be a movie theater floor, wherein I'm I sorry, wore what? a movie theater floor. I wore white sweatpants and a white crew neck sweatshirt, and I got to basically tape pieces of candy and popcorn all over me. And That's it creative. and it was great because not only was it creative, but it forced my mom to buy a ton of candy. And that candy was just sitting in our pantry <laughs> afterwards. It's like, oh, mom, we need this candy. We need to be able to have this. That got a good reaction. I have not seen that done necessarily the way that I did it. I didn't see that throughout elementary school or middle school whenever people stopped dressing up or whatever. But that was the one I was most most confident with. I don't think I've ever heard anyone else doing that. That's that's really creative. Thank you. Um, and yeah, what a power move to get candy before Halloween. Right? That's smart. Um, let's see. My favorite. It's we did the cast of Two a Days one time in college. That was fun. Oh, I've seen that picture. Yeah, that's good. That was the year before though. I, so I had shaved my head when I was playing baseball, and like, I, so my hair was like awkwardly growing back. It was like a buzz cut. I, I got like an awkward plaid shirt, a Bama hat, and some khakis, and these like old school Nike tennis shoes. But they weren't they weren't mine. They're were like size like 15s for some reason. Oh. And I was I was Forrest Gump, and I just remember, it was, I was like 19, and I was irresponsibly drunk that night at some like capital city in Milledgeville, and I just remember like dancing quote unquote, and then looking down, and there was chocolates everywhere because i carried a box of chocolates with me and i just kept <laughs> spilling them everywhere it was awful it was awful and then yeah the, the walk home the walk of shame the next day was was not great in those those nikes so um third question what hobbies or activities help best for stress relief from a typical saturday of college football it's from john deekman i'm big in my hobbies i've said that on this before during the season and really just during the school year in general i have something different after every day of, of a typical like let's say we're talking a typical eight to five schedule i have something yeah. i have i have one activity per night every day of the week i love <laughs> my hobbies. summer camp i do it, it kind of is you know i've got bell choir on monday i've got uh softball on tuesday i've got new hope for kids on wednesday i've got bowling on thursday i do i do all of it and the thing that i like about it and why i do stuff like bell choir and why i like bowling is that it does force me to take my mind away from college football yeah. just for a couple hours because you need to sort of be able to reset. Not based whether your team is doing really well or if it's not. It, I like having those activities where my focus needs to be entirely on that thing that yeah. I'm doing. And I can't just let my mind wander or else my performance and what I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is going to suffer. So I, I'm, I'm huge on hobbies and activities. If you can, especially during college football season, when you can fill that time during the week, it makes a week go by a lot faster. And then just like that, I always say to myself, oh my gosh, how is Saturday here already? It's great. It works yeah. out really well. Yeah, total opposite answer for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> never blown off steam with Bell Choir. That, I've not done that yet. But, I mean, well, it also, like, college football has always just been my favorite hobby. So I, I get, like, I, I'm trying to think. Like, I, I more in the off season, I will do more stuff and, and go for, you know, like, try to go on trips, like little weekend stuff and, like, getaways and stuff like that. Because, obviously, like, the, what sucks about, like, in season is, you know, like Allie has like a, a nine to five, like a real job. And then I obviously work from home, but like Sunday's like our only day to, to do stuff together. So right. we'll go on walks and stuff like that. Um, and try to do something fun, like go to like, you know, either like a new restaurant or something like that. But on Sunday, do something nice and get outside. Because on Saturday, hard. we're in, 
Yeah, well, we brunch real hard. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's, it's nice, honestly. Like, do you ever feel after Saturday, it's just nice to get outside? Because you like, we're, I'm inside for like 14 straight hours watching games. Yeah, I, I go, f- I need to go for a run Saturday morning, or else I feel yeah. like at the end of the day, I feel like I've just been cooped up the entire day. And that's not to say that's a bad thing necessarily. We love getting to watch TV yeah. for 16 hours on a Saturday. But yeah, you, you can go a little bit stir crazy if you don't get at least one outdoor experience on right. a Saturday. If it's if it's a situation where Bama's losing or they're in a tight game, I am very very much known for panic cleaning, just like a distressed housewife. Like I will clean everything. Is that how the sage burning burning started? Yeah. Okay. That's exactly how it started. Gotcha. Like just I will organize every single countertop, everything. Um, anyway, last question: A genie grants you three wishes, and you have to obey the known genie rules. No wishing for more wishes. Uh, what do you wish for? Jay Woody. Obviously, family, health, happiness, all that stuff, whatever. That's okay. That's I think that's he's trying to get us beyond that. Yeah. Coaches aren't allowed to go for it, aren't allowed to punt, rather, on fourth and one. No okay. more fourth and one punting. Just stop. Just just stop. Just tell your team that you give up. Talk about tanking before. You know what tanking is, is punting on fourth and one. Just saying. That's, well, that's, that's an aggressive stance, yeah. but yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with it. Punt to win, not on fourth and one. You don't do that. Okay. Another thing that I wish for, I've always wanted, and by always, I mean like the last two years or so, a coal-fired pizza oven. I'd want a house where I can have a coal-fired pizza oven outside with a pool set up right there to be able to have pizza whenever I want. You fire up the coal-fired pizza oven, and you just crank out pizzas, have pizza parties all the time. And by parties, I mean maybe just like my wife and I eating three or four pizzas in a given night. That 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 to me would be amazing, and my that, that's goals right there. Yeah, I, I always say to her when we win the lottery, that's that's the first purchase that we are making. Absolutely, no doubt about it. So you can have four pizzas a night. So I can have four pizzas a night. Yeah, I just, what are I'm your a hobbies? Guy. Pizza, pizza. Yes, um, I would like to be able to afford my own pizza. That's it. Um, and then third one, I don't know. This this would be tough. I would say probably Bears winning a Super Bowl would be. Pretty Ooh, good. good. I got to experience the Cubs winning winning the World Series, obviously 2016. So my sports bucket list that's pretty that was it pretty much. So right. I guess I guess at this point Bears haven't won a Super Bowl in my lifetime. They only went to one. It was a rainy mess against the Colts. That'd probably be the the selfish the last selfish thing that I would wish for. Um, this is tough because I, I got it down to four, but I'll say Queso would never die. I, it sucks that dogs only live for like 14 or 15 years. That's the worst. I don't so, want to think about that. That gets me super depressed. Yeah. So that's that would be awesome. Um, also, to be able to eat whatever I want and never gain weight. Always Ooh, be in shape. That's that good. would be like ideal. Um, and the last one, I want to say money because like that would just be you know, an easy answer to a Is, lot of Yeah, that's problems. a cop-out. Well, but yeah, so I'll say... No, that's not a cop-out, really. I mean, like money... People say like money doesn't buy happiness. Like I've never had money. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. I, so it's either that or Saban never retiring. Ooh, see that's you know what I'll say. Saban never retiring. Yeah, that's better. That's a, that's more specific than just saying money because you're talking about a certain way of life. Yeah, yeah. I I, I could get on board with that. That's that's pretty good. Those that's no, we're gonna question. win a bunch of money gambling this weekend anyway, so it's fine. Exactly. So Saban re- never retires. Case never dies, and then I just never gain weight. That's you know what? Yeah, that's it. That's that's a strong list. All right. Boom. That was really strong. Thank you, Jay Woody. Thank you to everybody who sent us fourth and wrong questions. We are getting so many of those in the Facebook group. It is really blowing up. It's making your job 
easy in one sense in that you could just post it an hour before the podcast. Yeah. And difficult in another because there are so many good ones. So I'm sorry if we didn't get to yours. I'm sure we'll be able to get to everybody's very, very soon. It might mean too much. That jerk Bevo. That jerk. <laughs> He's the, the jerk who charged at our beloved Ugga last year at the Sugar Bowl is at it again. Stupid Bevo has an AM poop bucket. Yeah, you heard that right. I'm sorry, what? Bevo, the Texas mascot, has a, a bucket for its manure, if you want to call it that, that has AM, a big AM logo on it, and right. it says 13th Man. Reddit College Football tweeted this out the other day, wrote about it for it might mean too much as well. All right, Texas, how obsessed I- with you, uh, how obsessed with the SEC are you? Because. This is just one thing after another where you say, you know, we had the thing over the summer where we're talking about Sam Ellinger at the airport. And he's at the Austin airport and he sees ads for AM and he says, right. AM is so insecure. It has advertising at the Austin airport. You know what's petty is having a poop bucket for your dumb mascot in the logo of an SEC team and, oh, trolling college kids for, for touchdown celebrations like Tom Herman and Sam right. Ellinger did a couple years ago against against Mizzou in the, in the Texas Bowl. And, oh, having your mascot charge at a beloved bulldog just because well, he's. They did that on purpose. Well, he, he absolutely did. Bevo's a jerk, and he would do that. But come on, man. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's up with that? Why, why can't they just mind their own business, have their own Longhorn network, and just leave the SEC yeah. alone? Just chill. They have, you know, also, the, my favorite thing about the Ellinger uh, airport tweet was that whatever airport that was, was literally named after an A&M grab. <laughs> that, like, that's a real thing, um, which is just absurd. You know, like, I, stuff like this I think is funny, but it would be... It's not funny when Texas does it because Texas is the only school that will do stuff like this consistently. Like, that is that is petty and it's funny, whatever. But at the same time, if you do that, you can't go run and tell on everyone to the, the Big 12 anytime someone does the horns down. Yep, like, you, like, exactly. You can't be that sensitive about a hand gesture when you're making a poop bucket. That's like arts and crafts, man. So here's what we need to do. We need to get Reveille We're not aware. a poop bucket. What? No, no. Reveille is, Reveille is the A&M mascot is, is beyond a poop bucket. Reveille knows how, yeah. to, how to poop in the proper She's places. She's a lady. Yeah, not some cattle, some steer, some dumb steer. Um, Reveille, we need to get a horns down towel, shirt, whatever. Whatever, so that that, that yeah. dog can be able to troll Texas consistently with something that's a little bit more honorable than a poop bucket. Texas. Also, dressing up dogs is always adorable, so I'm, I'm down for that. You are a big, big fan of that. Texas A&M. What are you, Texas, what are you six years old with a, a poop bucket? Give me a I'm really break. upset about that poop bucket. I know. I'm very fired up about the poop bucket. All right. We've got some five-star there's reviews. Also, there's no way that he's accurate enough to poop in the bucket. Yeah. It's, they got to scoop it into the bucket. That's, you know. They, really they, they earned that one. Still. Anyways, five-star reviews. We've got a lot. Thank you to everybody who has sent us five-star reviews. Want to get to all of these. We've got six of them. Six of them to get to. This first one is from Rake the Jake, and this is a little bit old, and this was from last week, and we were going to read mm-hmm. it, but then we kind of ran out of time. Subject, go dogs. Heard Marler's rant about Notre Dame, and hearing him yell, go dogs, got me fired up. Hell yeah, brother. Woo! Go dogs. Five stars. Beaches. I think he Boom. meant um, something else with that, but whatever. Beaches. I, Thank you. I like that. Um, here's a good one. Gators are SDS fans, too, from Jonathan H95. Huge fan of the podcast. There's no better way to stay knowledgeable about the best conference in the nation. The banter is always top-notch and makes me feel like I'm listening to informed trash talk at a tailgate, which is the ultimate compliment. As one of the rational Gator fans, more of us exist than everyone thinks, I enjoy the fair criticism of my team and others that you don't get 
as much of when listening to a Homer source. The pod is always a breath of fresh air during the work week. In conclusion, Cash Daniel is garbage. Keep up the great work, guys. All right. This one is from MBW Brian. Um, Subject, KD, well done. Best podcast for SEC football, hands down. Real insight, humor, and way too many sick brags, Connor. Create a great show. I look forward to every podcast. It's like I'm Chris and Connor, sick brag. As I listen to your comments each week, your opinions are spot on and honest regarding each team and your compassion for the pulse of the fans. Rest in peace, Falls. is true SEC class. Lastly, I really respect your comments regarding Cash Daniel with the whole ankle gate situation. He's an awesome player, plays his heart out, and means a ton to the Kentucky program. Please have him back on the show to highlight his better moments. Thanks you, thank you uh, for all... Thanks for all you guys do for us fans, good and bad. Us fans, not you guys. Go Gators, sick brag. Yes, I still respect Cash, good player whose emotions got the better of him. Not the first guy and not the last. Thank you, MBW Brian. That was good. Um, College football for the people. This is from Mitch Aldridge. Uh, I listened to a lot of crappy college football podcasts before I found this one. This isn't the same old recycled sports news that you find elsewhere. Marler and Connor are funny and engaging every week and talk all things SEC. It's a must-listen both in-season and in the off-season. Hashtag peak off-season content. My favorite podcast to listen to right now. Keep up the excellent work, guys, and go dogs. Boom. Love it. This one is from Jay Lindsay. Best podcast out there. In the words of Billy Bob from Varsity Blues, I give it a 10, a 10, a effing 10. 10. <laughs> yeah, that's probably better. I can't do the Southern accent anymore. Uh, it gets no better than the way Connor and Chris play off each other to keep it entertaining, to go along with great insight into the crazy world of the SEC. I have listened to many podcasts over the years dealing with college football, and I'm glad I came across this one a few months back. Keep up the great work, guys. By the way, the only thing better than a cold beer and some Texas Pete on a grilled piece of meat is enjoying it while watching them dogs. Thank you, Jalen. Boom. Uh, last but not least, this is from D Lambda Chi Alpha. Fantastic podcast. The interviews are always informative and hilarious. Connor and Chris break down SEC football in a fun way. I enjoy listening to this on my way to work. It makes my hour commute bearable. Go Vols. Love that. Commute. Yeah, thank you. Love it when people say it helps with their commutes. Whatever you're doing, if you're mowing the lawn, if you're just sitting around on your couch, whatever you are doing, if we are helping you do that, pass the time between college football Saturdays, we appreciate you listening. Absolutely. We are going to be, as I said, in Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. The SEC Network crew. We're going to have tons of great social media content. Make sure that you are following us on all forms of social media. Saturday Down South on Instagram. On Twitter, we are at the SDS Pod, at Vern Fundquist, at CJ O'Gara. Marler is going to be doing Facebook Live on Monday night. Monday at 8.30. Monday at 8.30. Definitely want to watch that. Is Uncle Chris going to be making any Saturday Saturday morning appearances? Uncle Chris? We little... might. We might. It, it, Saturdays are just so busy now, so I, I don't know. We, we might do that. Maybe we do it from Charlotte. Yeah, we're going to be traveling Saturday morning, but um, yeah. we will definitely be uh, having plenty plenty of social media content as well. So, Marler. Coach O. Coach O's on bye. He's on bye. He's, 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 he's still hungover. He's not happy. Yeah, that was, that was a tough one, but... Yeah. It might mean too much. Talk to you later this week. This weekend, actually. <laughs>